Some cults are good, most cults are bad, but I'll tell you what really makes me sad. I can't decide which cult to join. If only there were a podcast out there to rank all the cults using some sort of bracket system like they do for basketball playoffs for college teams. It's madness, madness. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a rainy, rainy Memorial Day it here. It is a rainy Memorial Day. So suck it, all you guys having barbecues. You should be honoring the <laughs> fallen. fallen. And it's go outside in the rain and honor the fallen. Okay. And then come and take a nap because it's really rainy outside. It is, but it's not. It's just like a constant trickly rain. It is. Which but isn't really bad. I mean, it's better than like thunderation. And it stuff is true. Like that. We're not having to hide in the basement for this Memorial mm-hmm. Day. But it's I mean, chilly. we could be, but we're not. That's, <laughs> it's chilly. That's true. We can, it is. It's a nice. It's the chilliest, coldest, wettest, almost summer here in Oklahoma. There you go. And so, welcome to Madness Madness, the where podcast where we talk about the weather if we want to. Talk about the weather where I, Aaron, right. and I, Amanda, are looking for something to do something to do something to do that we don't have to come up with that's right that's pretty much been the whole basis of our podcast from someone day one. plan some shit for someone us. plan some shit for us to do mm-hmm. because we're tired of coming up with our own ideas <sighs> it's exhausting it is exhausting and i just finished my school year woohoo and that's me coming up with stuff for other people to do <laughs> and then evaluating it and uh, i'm tired of that forget like- it for your whole job. It's my whole job. God. It is my whole job. I have to come up with the story time activities every single week. Coming up with story times were always fun. Oh, whenever actually, I, like I did it, but... whenever I did story time, there were a lot of like story time resources that you could find and mm-hmm. they were all about doing like a theme and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I never did a theme. I never ever. I just like cho- chose some it's books. Like random stories. I do little I do themes. I call them story sets mm-hmm. and I do like Well, you're in a school. Yes, and so I have every week. Well, and I do like books about space or books about art or books mm-hmm. about colors and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it just gives me a fun little set to pick from. Yeah. That's why I like being the librarian because I have no curriculum. Oh, you're just like come into the library. You're gonna listen to whatever I have to read. I guess so. And it's like I guess you need story time ideas if you can't just you know pick out some fucking books of your own or yeah, something like that. Some people maybe need it, but I guess so. <sighs> I do all right. I do all. Right. I do all right. But that's because I love books and research, and that's why we have a podcast because then we have research to do. Uh, looking into it is ways awesome it is awesome it's been very awesome and we have two fantastic clubs and organizations this week too mm-hmm. which but first, revolutionary week here it is at the revolutionary podcast. week every but, week is revolutionary also week. true but we're getting extra revolutionary this time. we also have some listener mail we have some listener mail and this is from inger inger uh Gilvog. Do not know. That's the, my best, uh, but it's a very cool last name. So, Can hello, you spell Inger. It for us? G J O V A A G. Okay, if anyone wants to send in a pronunciation, mm-hmm. is this like Afrikaans? What the is this Welsh? Yes, like the well, anybody, if Faith's husband, would you like to pronounce exactly, this for us? Uh, Thank you. We'll need some help. Okay, here you go. And here is our email entitled Local Lore, Gossip, and a Great Idea. Yay! <gasps> it says, Hello, Amanda and Aaron. I am loving your podcast so very much. I am looking forward to starting the second season because MLMs are also as scary as cults mm. and less disturbing than true crime stories. We'll enjoy it while you can because exactly. it's very brief. Because it's very brief. Here's my local lore. Yes. I live in Olympia, Washington, just down the 
road from the Ramtha School of Enlightenment, oh. in which Jay-Z Knight channels the 5,000-year-old 5, warrior from Atlantis. Oh, oh yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, did you say Jay-Z? Jay-Z Knight. Not Jay-Z. Mm. Not that, that Jay-Z. Well, is it? <laughs> he's got, got 5,000 problems, but a warrior from Atlantis ain't one. <laughs> That's right. No, Jay-Z, uh, and Jay-Z Knight and Ramtha, uh, I, I suspect we'll be doing some more cults. Yeah. And that one is definitely on the list. Okay. It says, they have been around since the 80s and have attracted celebrities such as Selma Hayek and Linda Evans to move to the area. Linda. <clears throat> Crystal. 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 Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek. Before COVID, they sponsored an annual UFO festival, which I hope for it will return soon. Oh, me too. Ah, no joke. Here is my gossip. I ate in. I just stayed in a restaurant for the first time since COVID, and guess what? I had dinner with Amanda's friend Dan because he's my friend too. Dan! Oh my god! I know. Yeah. Aren't we lucky to have a lovely friend? Yes, Dan is an awesome person, uh, and has been one of my favorite people since the '80s. P.S. Dan, if you want to sponsor the pod, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely true. Just throw some squeaky seltzer, a little like startup money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some Says, Here is my great idea. That's, that's the new flavor of squeaky seltzer. Seeds. 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 Seed flavor. Seed cake. Seed cake flavor. What? What? Like the little suet cakes you can get to feed cardinals. <laughs> suet flavor. It's kind of bacony. Suet and sunflower. <laughs> mm. I love these new like textured seltzers that we're getting. It's like a boba. <laughs> but it's lard. Lard. Lard boba. Lard boba. It's suet, so it's specifically the fat off of the kidney. That's right. It's not just lard. It's mm-hmm. not just lard. You know Very. what it does? It makes food delicious. Mm. Here's my great idea. When you take your Madness Madness bus tour, come see the Ramtha School and then check out Dan's place. Yes. He lives on a lovely farm, which would make a perfect home for a cult compound. Dan! I know starting a cult is more work than joining a cult, but I think if y'all are smart about it, it could run itself for a year or two and you'd have exactly the cult you're looking for. Especially if Dan... Uh-huh. I would be happy to become a follower, and I'm sure that Dan would be happy to host. I hope you're listening, sir, because we are making all kinds of plans for your house. We're going to build some low-quality dwellings. (laughs) (laughs) You can have more than two beers a night on us. It's true. It's true. It's just nothing but Roadrunner portable buildings all around. (laughs) As long as you bring your own, you can have as much beer as you want. That's right. It says, on your way to Washington, stop in Antelope, Oregon, to see the remains of the Rajneesh Puram. And as you go through Portland, you must stop and repay your respects to the statue of Ramona Quimby and the real Clickitat Street where she lived. We have been been there. there. Yes. Because my sister lives right near it. That is so cool. We have been and seen the statue of Ramona Quimby. I have not, but that's definitely And what's really, really cool is that the, um, the sidewalks are... I assume they're WPA sidewalks, but if they're not WPA sidewalks, they still have the old sidewalk feature of Um, having the name of the street stamped stamped into the concrete concrete on the corners. Cool. And so, yes, somewhere... Yeah. We'll look around in our pictures and see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if we can find the picture of you the guys. Picture. I have never been to Portland, and there are not many things that make me want to go to Portland, but the Ramona Quimby statue is yeah. definitely it. And she was, she's your birthday twin, wasn't she? Beverly Cleary is yes. my birthday twin, April 12th. Recently passed, just before her 105th birthday. Mm-hmm. And then we lost Eric Carl and Lois Ellert the other day. So that's a sad, we got to pour one out for the picture, uh, the elementary school homie. That's right. My, my Ramona Quimby was awesome because she yes. was not good. Right. She was she was not nice. She's not nice. She was not cute. 
You know, yeah. she wasn't like, hey, beautiful she, boing boing girls. No, you know? she hated Susan with the boing boing girls. She hated girls. Susan with the boing boing girls and would uh, eat one bite out of an apple and then throw them away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then like whenever she squeezed all the toothpaste into the sink, I was like, yep, get it, girl. <laughs> I would totally do that. <laughs> That is a power move right there. It is a power move. I would totally do that, except my I know my mom would just like snatch me bald. <laughs> I liked it when she took all of her dad's cigarettes and replaced them with little rolled up pieces of paper that said no smoking on them. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. We love you, Ramona and Beverly Cleary. There's a really, if you read the book Otis Spofford, there's a chapter called Otis the Indian. Skip that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that my favorite Beverly Cleary book even better than all the Ramona books was socks because socks. it was about a cat. Yes, and I was yeah. like, "There's my friend. There's, There's my kitty. kitty. There's a kitty. Put him in the mailbox." I know. I loved him. So. And my least favorite was Dear Mr. Henshaw because it came out like the yes. year of like my parents' divorce, and I was like, "Absolutely, Absolutely not. not." Mom made me read it, and then wanted to like she didn't even want to talk about it. She just like made me read it, and then like patted me on the shoulder like, "There, I've dealt with you in the divorce." <laughs> she would like take the quizzes out of like parade magazine about like children of divorce i'm like is this Uh, this is what we're getting instead of counseling okay you're taking a taking a quiz to see if you're a thoughtful housewife (laughs) okay Uh, i'm sorry we're straying we're straying but we're straying into good territory you're here i'll sing something soon and then we'll add oh there's so many songs oh sweet i've got a few songs maybe a song or two But anyway, it is time, I think, to get right into the heart of the matter. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I am going to start us off with some classical faggotry Mm. right away. Mm. Vintage faggotry. Vintage faggotry, the very best kind. So, uh, homos, am I right? Right right there. There it is. Says, I think we can all agree that the gays have been around in some form or another since the dawn of time, Mm -hmm. clearly. And I also think that in this day and age, it's not unfair to say that many, possibly most people have heard of the Stonewall Uprising. Correct. Kicking off the modern gay rights movement Mm -hmm. after Stormy DeLarvery started a big fight. Marsha P. Johnson, by her very own words, did not get there till 3 a.m. when the place was already on fire. Look it up. I will fight to the end about this for real. You want to credit a gender non-conforming person of color for starting uh, modern gay rights? It's Butch Dyke Stormy. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, Stonewall was a big deal, but it was not the first big no, deal. No, it wasn't. <clears throat> In Germany... Boomers did not invent Stonewall. Boomers did not <laughs> invent gay rights. Gay rights, exactly. In Germany, there have been people, men, writing and speaking publicly about being gay since the 1860s. Uh, Magnus Hirschfeld started making movies about gay rights and gay history just about as soon as movies could start to be made. Um. He, if you've ever read anything, and you, Aaron, got dragged along to a whole bunch of gay shit. I really did. <laughs> so you've probably heard. And if you've watched any kind of movie or uh, you've seen like the celluloid closet and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, Magnus Hirschfeld founded the... In Institute of Sexuality. Oh, yeah. Like that. It, sexuality. Yes. <laughs> the Sexuality Institute to study, to like, we're going to do a scientific study because this people keep being this. So, surely there's some scientific. <laughs> like they're not making it up. Right. This doesn't seem to be a temporary thing. Right. And it's it been around for a while. It seems to happen in like all countries and cultures. <laughs> so For as long, as far back as we can find written records. <laughs> Even some oral histories still talk about this, so we should look into it. He made a bunch of interesting movies. I've seen one, and since they're very old, yeah. uh, and like big chunks of them were destroyed by the Nazis, yeah. um, 
like at one point he <laughs> and it's a silent film and there's the story 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 part but at one point one of the men falls asleep and has a dream and it's literally like parade der homosexuality and it's you know it's like Oscar Wilde <laughs> Mad King Ludwig yes and they're like processing in a silent movie way with big outfits oh, it's just like step pause step, step pause. pause yes <laughs> that's a really good so he started doing that. The Scientific Institute did a lot of good work until 1933. When, when we all know what happened. <laughs> a feed a saint. <laughs> a But that was in Europe. <clears throat> and in America, while it's true that we were not sentencing people to years of hard labor for being gay, it was still true that being gay would ruin your life. Yeah. World War II changed a lot of things in a lot of ways. Hey, yeah, hey, hey. I'm from Antlers, Oklahoma. But now I'm somewhere in a, I'm in a military barracks <laughs> with a whole bunch of guys. The rigidly sex-segregated world of the military, a lot of fags and dykes found each other. Because I remember seeing a bunch of women talking about how they met in like the wax and the yeah. waves. And one woman was Eisenhower's secretary she was Eisenhower's secretary and he wrote up uh, or yes like, this legislation that's like you know gays uh-huh. out of the military and like she being the secretary it was her I job had to type to it type it uh-huh. up and she said sir if I type this up I will lose my job uh-huh. and he's like never mind never mind just throw it in the trash exactly the trash. and so that it was later policy it, but. yes it was but there was this the starting of of men and women to be like oh my gosh i am from antlers oklahoma but i'm not alone no and then i'm get, meeting like french dudes uh-huh. other american, american dudes. dudes people are i'm on people, this boat i'm, I'm on, on this, this boat, boat. <laughs> everybody's got a little flexibility out here in the middle of the mm-hmm. ocean it's like, we're months from land and might die <laughs> so <clears throat> we can so, cuddle we can cuddle you had a shower today. You want to <laughs> take a shower? So, yes, they found a lot of each other. And after the war was over, many of them felt like the time had come to begin to, like, start to begin to move forward. Very much like the civil rights movement. Exactly. <laughs> right. There Other was people like, who were like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. There's no need for us to be treated like this anymore. Mm-hmm. We'll get started now. And decades later... There it is. We'll get a crumb. We'll get a crumb. <laughs> but we're starting. Mm-hmm. So in my... Into this world, two clubs were born that we will talk about today. The Mattachine Society and the Daughters of Belitis. And we'll talk about them separately, even though they kind of go together. Because one's for the boys and one's for the girls. Mm -hmm. Daughters of of the what? Daughters of Belitis. It's a terrible name because it just sounds like diverticulitis. It does sound like diverticulitis. (laughs) Well, uh, Belitis, in a a poem by Pierre-Louis, Belitis was a made-up like Sappho's girlfriend in the poem okay. he's like Sappho's girlfriend Belitis okay and so that's yeah her. we'll get to it yes and they picked that name because you could be like well no it, it's a it's a female literary exactly. society it's a, it's a poetry society it's a cat fanciers and stuff like that so yes but the Mattachine Society is first because <clears throat> it's a little bit older Sappho and Belitis met at partners they did <laughs> they did <laughs> it wasn't just for the young girls back then no so, okay, the Mattachine Society was founded in 1950, an early national gay rights organization, uh, perhaps preceded only by Chicago's Society for Human Rights, which was 1948. Okay. But uh, that one wasn't as specifically gay, and Harry, Harry Hay, I'm about to tell you about. Mm-hmm. He, uh, communist and labor activist Harry Hay, formed the group with a collection of male friends in Los Angeles to protect and improve the rights of gay men. And I have to say... 
<clears throat> how many of these groups and cults that we have discussed and some of the multi-level marketing is either specifically about being or not being communist. Yes. <laughs> like being communist is really like why we're here or why we're here to destroy this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, mine coming up. Excellent. Yeah. So, yes, Harry Hay was born in April 7th, 1912. He was born in England. His father, he was born in Sussex. Mm-hmm. He was raised in an upper middle class American family. He was, they were Americans even though he was born in Sussex and his parents had both grown up in South Africa. <clears throat> but they were Americans because, you know, if they were white and went to South Africa to make a lot of money off of the backs of oh, black people. Oh, I see. Well, yeah. then they were basically British. Yeah, you're basically exactly. British. That's right. <laughs> Says, uh, yes, his father was a mining engineer who worked for Cecil Rhodes. Oh, in, yes. Rod- of Rhodesia? Of Rhodesia fame. And yes. the Rhodes Scholarship? Yes. I read that they're going to oh. turn his statue to face the wall. Oh, really? Yes. That they're really? like, yeah, that they're like, we're not going to take it down. Because we'll still want to talk about him, but we're going to turn his statue to face the wall. I think this is in Oxford. That's fantastic. We are we are punishing him. We're going to punish him. There he is. And like, he's still there. You can go look at him. But <laughs> no, like we need Queen to Anne know statue. That, yes. <laughs> We're also drawing a humorous mustache on him. <laughs> That's right. We're putting a little kick me sign up on the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, despite his wealth, his father did not spoil his son, made him work on the farm or wherever they were. Mm-hmm. He was also kind of a like a Nelly little boy, and uh-huh. his dad would beat him a lot, so that's nice. Toughen him up. Toughen him up for did the Did it work? No. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> did he stop true. being faggoty? No. Was he a super tough guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess <laughs> so, so. There you go, Dad. At 10, uh, he was enrolled at Virgil Junior High School. And soon after, he joined a boys' club known as the Western Rangers. Hello. <laughs> Through which he developed a native, an interest in Native American culture. Always a great idea. Oh. <sighs> Those so- guys did have their shirt off a lot. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> He's wearing nothing but a loincloth. <laughs> I think I'm interested in Native American culture. It's like, sir, <laughs> look. Yeah. He sought out connections with the Hopi and the Sioux communities. I was not able to find out what the Hopi and Sioux communities thought of. Those are two very different communities as well. Did did he just write letters? (laughs) Like, can I come and hang out with you guys? Can I come and hang out with you guys? Uh, Yeah. Like, it just said, I looked a little bit more. But I think it was basically like, hey, what you doing? Well, yeah, but I mean, perhaps he was like legitimately interested in what they were doing. Yeah, maybe so. I guess that you can't. You can't blame people for being interested in something that's interesting. Right. But then, but you can blame the way that they go about the it. The way that they go about it. It does not at any point say, he then began calling himself, you know, no. like Lone Wolf and wearing a single feather or <laughs> no. anything like that. Yeah. No. Yeah, you can't blame people for being interested in stuff, but... In 1923, he started to volunteer at the public library where he found a copy of Edward... Hot bed of sedition. Hot bed of sedition. Yeah, it's like, here is where, here's where you find shit, and that's at the library. library. Should have started here. Well, as soon as you start volunteering there, then you find out where the, like, the shelf where you have to ask for the books are. That's right. <laughs> and then you're there by yourself, so you just read those. Mm-hmm. And indeed, he read Edward Carpenter's book, The Intermediate Sex, where he discovered the word homosexual for the first time and was like, hey, that me. In the summer holidays, his father would send him to work at his cousin's cattle ranch in Nevada. Hey, boys. Where <laughs> he was introduced to Marxism by fellow ranch hands who were members of the industrial workers of the world. Oh, my God. Right. I don't know anything about the I don't know anything about the Wobblies. Maybe we'll learn something about him some other time. 
Anyway, these wobbly ranch hands would give him books and pamphlets written by Karl Marx, and that's where he became a Nazi. Not a Nazi. Not a (laughs) Nazi. socialist right there and that's the same thing right yeah it is no no that's where he became a a firm marxist communist dude totally pinko in more ways than more ways than one (laughs) he told often told a story that in 1925 he was invited to a local gathering of natives just says natives okay and again i looked into this stuff but was never able to find much more about these things this is early early in his life Mm -hmm. he says he met the ghost dance promise ghost dance prophet wavoka Mm-hmm. And uh, while uh, it is true that his family did have a connection to Wavoka and the ghost dance movement because Hayes' great uncle, Francis Hardy, was at the Battle of Wounded Knee. So there, oh, yeah. there's a little something. I mean, <laughs> That's, it's okay. technically a connection. Yeah. His uncle was not on the native side. No. So no. Because no. they don't call it Wounded Knee. <laughs> did he live? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it's also true that he... Did this kind of native appropriation kind of a lot throughout his life? Yeah. People didn't know back then, but they could have known if they tried. Right. I don't know. At 14, he got his union card, went to San Francisco, and convinced the union officials he was 21 and got a job on a cargo ship. Just a union? It just says his union card, yeah. Okay. Maybe Stevedore Union. Maybe. The AFL. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do the unloading and loading, but whatever. Well, it says, after an unloading at Monterey Bay oh, in 1960, right. 2026, he met and had sex with a 25-year-old merchant sailor named Matt. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Who I introduced bet. him to the idea that gay men could be a global secret brotherhood. Oh. Building on this idea of the Stalinist definition of national identity, nationalist identity. Uh, Hay argued that homosexuals were a cultural minority also. Yes. And so yeah, that was yeah, a kind of a beginning true. of this. Yeah. It's like these people all have this in common. They it's do. like deaf culture. Yeah, it is like deaf culture and blind culture. Yeah, uh-huh. it's totally. And also like gay men can be stevedores. They're yes. not all just like, like hair having purple <laughs> gowns by Adrian. Gowns by Adrian. <laughs> yes. Well, it's interesting because he did not go to Hollywood and become... He does a little bit of Hollywood, but it's not the same mm-hmm. like other kind of Hollywood. He did not become Gowns by Adrian... Uh, Billy Haynes or anything like that. Yeah. That's a good book, too. Yeah. In 1930, he went to Stanford to study international relations. He uh, wanted to study paleontology, but his dad was still being a jerk. He said, you have to do <clears throat> something businessy. Okay. But while there, he became more interested in acting, wrote poetry... Uh, and he started to frequent the gay scene in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And San Francisco always had a gay scene because it was a port. Yeah. And so it always had a little something going on. Uh, he attended parties where men danced with men. Women danced with women. Hello. People cross-dressed and alcohol was consumed. All of these things were illegal at the time. Oh, my oh. God. That's right. It's that's the twi- right. It's the 20s. It's, yeah. It's, it's 1930 and... So, yeah. Christ. Terrible fucking idea. Just <laughs> that was universally ignored. It was. One of FDR's I mean, first acts when he came into office in 1932 was like, Nix, mm. done with that. We've got other things to We've worry got other about. Problems. Everybody, like, have a beer, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make yeah. money. Bur- right. Brewing Manufacturing beer. and selling beer. Right. That way we can tax it and not That's just right. <laughs> give it all to the bootleggers. So, yes, here he started having a number of sexual and romantic trysts. One biographer asserts that he also that he had a, a affair with Prince George, Duke of Kent. I've heard that. Yes. So oh. that is. Uh, I, he was the one. Uh, he was Elizabeth's uncle. Yes. Who 
died during the war? I believe so. He was not. He died early. Yeah. And he was also the gay one. Yes. <laughs> That's how he died. No. <laughs> well, you know. Died of homosexuality. Died of being a homo in the war. No, but apparently, according to at least one person, he and Harry Hay had a little something, something going on. Then he moved back to Los Angeles, moved back in with his parents, started hanging out in artistic and theatrical circles, hung out with John Cage, the composer. Oh, I was like, like from the Velvet Underground? That's <laughs> John Cale. That's John Cena. No. Yes! John Cena! <laughs> you don't see me. Call me John Cena. Uh, started hanging out with John Cage. Uh, John Cage got him to perform some vocals at one of his concerts. So then he became a screen a voice actor, screenwriter, and stuntman. You could do that back then. Right. You'd just be like, I'm a voice actor, a screenwriter, and, and a, a stuntman. Stunt no word on whether or not he met Father Yod. At God! Jim Baker at that time. Not that Jim Baker. Oh, man. But I, if he was around, I'm sure that Harry gave it a try. Oh, I bet he tried it on. Yod was hot. <clears throat> Immersed himself in the Hollywood gay scene at this time, having brief flings with people. He met a Telemite princess, a priestess named Regina Call on a play that they were working on. And the Telemites is the Ordo Temple Orientis, oh, Alistair yeah. Crowley's uh, cult. Oh. Oh, the only, in the only like little bit where it was kind of culty. Uh-huh. He called them, they were the Telemites. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Harry Hay played the organ for the public performance of the performances of the Gnostic Mass okay. given at the Hollywood oh. branch of the Ordo Temple Orientis. Fantastic. <laughs> Just picking up gigs left and right. He was. Okay. Oh, you gotta keep busy. You Get gotta your keep name busy. You gotta go hustle, hustle, hustle. Your dad's not gonna give you any of that like no. apartheid money. So <laughs> he's not. Yet. But he did beat you into working. So yeah, well, here you go. So there you go. Workers of the world unite, bitch. Uh, while working on a play, Harry met the actor Will Gear. Yes, that Will Gear. Oh, Grandpa Walton. Grandpa Walton. Who was a committed leftist pinko homosexual. <clears throat> the nice. whole time. The whole time, yes. Even as playing Grandpa Walton. Yes. That's I, amazing. I had no idea. And like, how did you even get this job? Because he was, I mean, he was like an out loud gay commie. And I'm like, they hired you for the Waltons? He was like, I thought you'd like, jump out a window like everybody else. On the, Absolutely <laughs> the not. List. He's a member of a union. That's true. Gear was a committed leftist, and Hay later described him as his political mentor. Gear introduced Hay to Los Angeles' lefty community, and they took part in activism at that point, demonstrations for labor rights and the unemployed. On one occasion, they hand post- handcuffed themselves to lampposts outside the <laughs> outside UCLA. <laughs> was young Will Gear like totally ripped? And totally hot? ripped and hot. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes. They always had the head of Grandpa Walton. They <laughs> always kind of have. Well, it's like a. It's like a Edward. Carpenter, uh, Walt Whitman kind of yes. silvery handsome. That's mm. true. Yes. Fantastic. They spent a weekend in San Francisco during the city's 1934 general strike where they witnessed police opening fire on the protesters and this uh, made them, this made him even more committed. Mm-hmm. He joined an agitprop theater group that entertained at strikes and demonstrations. <laughs> like, well, you're going to be picketing all night, so we're going to put on a little production this here. Is a modern dance. <laughs> Just for you guys to watch while you're enjoying. And, like, we have some coffee or something? Like, nope, we <laughs> don't have dance. I'm a jumping of dance. Need somebody to spell me with this sign for a little bit? Could you maybe... Uh, no. Okay. no, brother, but I can produce my... We, uh... We'll do our film, Waiting for Lefty. That's the name of it here. Oh, wow. Their performance of Waiting for Lefty in 1935 led to attacks. From- <laughs> <laughs> How does by, it hold up to Obananas? By, by, 
by fellow union members. <laughs> we, you must stop. Oh okay, look, this God, organization is not about that, okay? <laughs> That's it. Just get me some coffee. I'm dying no. here. No, they were attacked by the fascist Friends of New Germany group. Oh, really? Uh, but the, the, they're, the people on the picket line just quietly complained. <laughs> Sure. Like, God, is Will Gear here again? Yes, they're doing another play. Sandwiches or something. Just like a like a zagnut, like a- <laughs> anything. Some suet. Yeah. <laughs> Seeds. Seeds. <laughs> Flour and suet. After this, then he and Gear, who were still together, uh, then they like formally joined the Communist Party USA. But is this still in the twenties? This is in the. We're up into the thirties now. Okay. Uh, but Hay was beginning to be irritated because in the Communist Party, homosexual being a homosexual is bourgeois influence. Of course, real people aren't. You know, real people aren't like this. It's no. just like it's God just lazy, it. lazy. Yeah, rich how decadent bitches. of you not to uh, produce a working family? Exactly. So he was Ugh. always like, I don't like this part, and they were like, but the people, and he's like, you're right, the people, but I don't, I don't like, like this part. part. No, wait, like, what about? My people. But I'm a person. I'm a cultural minority, too. Yeah, but you can... Have you thought about unlearning this? That's true. Have you just tried? Have you tried? How much would it cost you to not quite be so gay? (laughs) Quite be so gay. Well, we're about to find out. Uh, Let's see. He taught courses uh, at the People's Education Center and later throughout the Los Angeles... He, along with Roger Barlow and Leroy Robbins, directed a film entitled Even As You and I. Oh. Which I could not find either. I wanted to watch it. And from 1938 to 1948, he was married to a woman. His analyst told him that if he found a boyish lady, then he'd be able to cure himself. Oh, really? How did that go? Oh, Well, it better for him than for her. I bet. So he found himself a nice communist gal, got married, adopted two daughters, and got ready for heterosexuality, which did not happen. He cheated on her constantly. I hope he didn't give her a disease. I hope so, Maybe he didn't, because I didn't get the feeling that they were boning a lot. Why don't you um, marry a mannish woman into other mannish women. I, I, yes, I don't know. A lavender marriage? A lavender marriage. Were you unable to find one hanging out at the Communist yeah. Party? Because when we get to the Daughters of Belitis, none of them are communists. No. They're all like, I was married. <laughs> and I want to get out. And I didn't want to be married anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> what I wanted was for that to stop. <laughs> what I wanted was for that to stop. So, yeah. Um, mm. He worked for the WPA, cataloging public records in Orange County. I thought that was interesting. I would. I'm the kind of library nerd that would like to catalog public records in Orange County. Uh, During this time, he also contributed his expertise to the Kinsey Report. Yay! And finally, he could keep up the charade no longer. He came out to his wife, who was not happy. He came out to other people in their communist chapter and then resigned because... Were they like, yeah, we knew? No, they were like, well, you're right, then you need to leave. But they then, they did designate him a friend for life of the party, even though he couldn't be in the group anymore. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, assholes. Thanks, assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, way to say So, yeah, my work got us here. Uh Uh-huh. But now, but now I can't be here anymore. Jim, you're gonna—we're gonna have to let you go. But uh, you'll always be a friend of the company. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna need your key card. That's right. <laughs> We're letting you go because you're fundamentally wrong. But we do like you. Thanks for all the hard work Thanks you've for done. All the hard work. And we'll call you when uh, maybe we need something. Right. To if we yeah. need a, a gay person to put on, it's like in June we'll put you in a commercial. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Uh huh. 
Maybe they were like, we've got to get rid of the dance. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know when he and Will Gear split, but I would like to think that all the sweet, sweet Walton's cash went to Will's head and he became an insufferable Hollywood fat cat, though it's probably not true. No, the Waltons wasn't until no, like it the wasn't. 70s. And I also know that Will Gear remained a staunch gay communist throughout his entire life. Yes. How did you get on the Waltons? Sir? I don't know, because he, looked, because he looked like a nice old man. I guess so. I guess so. <clears throat> we were always... Maybe he was a nice old little man. Little house. I was... Yeah, we, we were always a little, little house family. I was like, Waltons, what the fuck is this corny ass shit? Oh and I wasn't... We weren't even Little House Listen. show. No, we were Little House book. book. And yes, we realized it's problematic. We realized at the time that it was problem- It was problematic. Even as small children in the 80s, we were like, wait, what? what? Ma hates Indians? What? Jeez, stop! Ma. It was problematic, but... Totally Little House. I believe that there's three kinds of a certain kind of girl. Mm-hmm. One is Little House girl. Mm-hmm. One is Little Women girl. Mm-hmm. And one is Anne of Green Gables girl. Yes, there are three different kinds of girls for sure. For sure. And uh, Little Women and Anne they of all Green have Gables their own was like, what is this Yankee shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Anne of Gables is like, where are you? Jesus. Canada. Canada. What the hell? I don't understand anything. I'm learning how to make bullets. <laughs> Because I need to survive on the prairie. That's right. There's a bear. That's right. I need bullets. Oh, that's the story about the bear. That's my dog. It's like, you're going to get us eaten by a bear, Alice. Just do what I say. What I say it. I cursed my sister's name so many, well, for a variety of reasons when we were children. Sure. Because our hobby was cursing each other's well, names. <laughs> to this day, yeah. And yeah, nothing has changed. We love each other very much. Um but yeah, we only had one TV, and so like it was basically when we got home in the afternoon, like whoever got home first got to like control the TV, oh, and she so you're, always like, holding got your pee there for an hour. First. <laughs> you got there first. No, it was uh, I didn't pee on the TV. Uh, <laughs> That's because you held it. The uh, <laughs> she was always watching the goddamn Waltons. <laughs> Damn it! Like, Call her real quick and ask her about Will Jenny. <laughs> like as as an adult, you know they're. Like it's a, a boring show. Like, imagine, you know, being like a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> Forced to watch the wall. Jesus Christ. It's oh, like, yeah. is there like a paint-drying channel or something? <laughs> it I also stars Will Gear. Yeah. But, yeah. See, now you're talking. <laughs> it's dry, a paint-dampening channel. Paint with Will Gear. Much better. Uh-huh. While Will Gear goes on about the revolution. It wasn't until much later that I learned that one of the Waltons was named Aaron, and I was like, what the fuck? Hey, no. <laughs> Having a not rare name. Uh, yes. But an, an, an uncommon name. An uncommon name makes me really sort of protective yes. of my name, and whenever I hear of other people named Aaron, I was like, what wait a minute, fuck is this no. shit? Just like, BJ's daughter on MASH? Yes. Yes. Aaron Walton? No. What? Get out of here. Get away. Somebody else, well, somebody on the office, like the second receptionist yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, I never watched that show. But. Her name was Aaron. The fo- the only famous Aaron was Aaron Gray, who oh. was on uh, Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons. But Aaron Moran. Aaron Moran. Joni. Joni. So there you go. There you go. Definitely acceptable, Aaron. You're the best, Aaron. I am. Best Aaron from the podcast. That's that says it right here. It says it right here in the thing. Influenced by the publication of the Kinsey Reports, Hay conceived the idea of a homosexual activist group in August of 1948. After signing a petition for Progressive Party presidential candidate Henry A. Wallace, Hay spoke with other gay men at a party about forming a gay support organization for the campaign called Bachelors for Wallace. Oh, hello. Okay, can we stop right for yes. a second and I can tell you my experience with the Kinsey Report? <laughs> yes. Prowling around... 
our parents' house. Okay. Which I, I have a story too. <laughs> which, uh, you know, our parents, like, every question was answered. Mm-hmm. Books all over. Nothing was out of right, bounds. Nothing was out of bounds. And I remember prowling downstairs <clears throat> and seeing both volumes of the Kinsey uh, Report. Yes. Knowing what the Kinsey Report was, I don't know why. Because yes. probably I asked mom what the Kinsey Report was. Uh-huh. And I found the volumes and I was like, holy shit. It was like, it was like a the stash of like hustlers. You right, know? I was right. like, holy shit. In the woods. In, yes, yeah, right. it was like, this is fucking insane. I know. <laughs> I opened up graphs. It's so, it's like all so charts. So many charts. So many charts. <laughs> Nothing dirty. Infographics galore. It's technically. Statistics. I mean, technically it's dirty, but it's, it's laid out in such a spreadsheet kind of way that it's like not hot there's at all. There's not even an illustration. No, there's not an illustration. Not even one. Not, not necessary. No, <laughs> no, no, you just need to look at the chart. Ladies and gentlemen. But it's still like, it was like fucking groundbreaking, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you're like, huh. that's like when I found the stash of, uh, I was like, here's a box full of paperback romances novels hidden in the back of mom's closet. Oh, Hell yes, this is going to be the filth. It was her Georgette Hayes. <laughs> I read them all, waiting for the filth, man. You're like, here we go. No, they don't even kiss. Motherfucker. No. What's the one I'm thinking? The she Gay like, Divorcee like or something? No. Like... no, they were Regency romances. They're the original oh, Regency romances. The original Regency okay. romances. And there was a lot of like hand holding. Yeah, oh, it, they were God. all but modeled after Pride and Prejudice, basically. Look, wow. but yeah, no. In the in the books that you think you're going to get lucky with, and you are not, one of them is the Kinsey Report. <laughs> I have another story about that, but it comes up later. Okay, I'm good. Save it. Yay. In 19 in July of 1950, Hay met Rudy Garenrich. That with the pair soon entering in a relationship. You know Rudy's name because of the topless bikini. He invented the topless bikini. Exactly. I always heard it was Gernreich. 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 Yeah, Gernreich. I always said Garenrich, but it's I never said it. I always just read it. Yeah. So it seems it's like in the aftermath of World War II, you would shy away from pronouncing it. It's yeah, name maybe in a way that involved the Ger- word right. We'll just call him Rudy we'll with call an I. R U D I. It's R U D I. Invented the topless bikini. Short for Rudevelt. He also Rudevelt. Rudith. Rudith. Oh yeah. <laughs> he also designed Carol Channing's costumes in the movie Skidoo. Hello. And Jackie Gake. Jackie Gake. And I'm I'm gonna go I I cannot not go on the tiniest Skidoo sidebar because Please it is a do. crazy ass movie. When my baby was born, she did not sleep until she was about 18 months old. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was a long stretch of time that I was up for 24 hours a day with literally 800 cable channels and I saw I called it Titty Ninja Theater because I was just like up all night watching crazy ass shit <laughs> and I saw this movie <laughs> called Skidoo that's when I watched um, Myra Breckenridge which was like unwatchably oh, bad yeah. Yeah. Oh. Skidoo slightly better but only slightly Wow. It stars, because of Carol Channing <laughs> well it stars Jackie Gleason oh god and oh, man. the uh, animated cadaver that was Groucho Marx oh, at the time oh no Gleason uses the word faggot approximately 975 times in <laughs> for every cigarette wow. he smokes he that's says right, the word the faggot. faggot and I read a rumor that Groucho was on actual acid while filming some of his scenes Probably. and it kind of looks at oh, it wow yes. 
Uh, the movie doesn't have much of a plot, but Carol looks fantastic. And at one point, she's wearing a conical yellow mini dress that unzips in one continuous spiral. Uh huh. And she like grabs the hem and unzips it because she's the hot lead. Okay. What year did this come out? Not young. No, no. no this is like seventy one. Okay, so Carol, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not. Bradshaw died in like seventy two. Yes, yeah. It was very yeah. So she's wearing this dress and she grabs the hem and unzips it in this big spiral and then it kind of collapses around her to reveal what I can only describe as deeply unsexy like grubby looking granny style underwear. <laughs> and then she like collapses back on the bed and she's like hi it's like the old color of old bra it is it's like old bra color and I'm like you couldn't you couldn't even like put a wackadoo bikini like a bikini knit no no did you see Irma LaDuce I mean, nothing no so yeah skidoo if you can find it watch it cause damn you'll know ne- maybe you should be on acid too <laughs> you should be on acid too and uh, Carol sings the song over the closing credits skidoo skidoo na 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 skidoo skidoo <laughs> Yeah. Make that money. <laughs> it's a wild movie. But you know what? Better than Myra Breckenridge. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I, you may be the only person I know who's seen Myra Breckenridge. And, and I wouldn't exciting. have seen it if I hadn't had to stay up all the time wow, wow, with wow, my wow, baby. Wow. Thanks, kid. I also saw a movie called Chastity with starring very young Cher. Cher. That was quite a then that was named a her child. Yeah, she she wow. became pregnant while filming that movie. Great. Yeah. Wow. That had a really crazy lesbian seduction scene that was all done in like cross is like woman's eyes, hand touching hand, other woman's eyes. <laughs> hand touching shoulder. Hand touching shoulder. Hand touching side. She, uh, she, she she named Yeah. The her daughter Chastity after the project she was working on? Yeah. Yes. That'd be like... Exactly. She's like, Absolutely i got to get not. as far away from this as I can. That'd be like m- me naming Henry like like website migration. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's her. Uh, I'm going to name Alice Lakeview Thunderbird. I'm going to name <laughs> for sure. Henry Owazo Public Library. Upda- updating content management system versions. <laughs> We call them data. <sighs> okay, so anyway, that's my brief skidoo sidebar. Rudy and Hay were both lefties. Okay, they met with their friends Dale Jennings, Bob Hall, and Chuck Rowland, mm-hmm. and held the first meeting of the Mattachine Society. Okay, in ni- April 1951, they chose the name. Hay chose the name based on a medieval French secret society of masked men who, through their anonymity, were empowered to criticize ruling monarchs with impunity. So. It's like some Commedia dell'arte. They okay. took their, their, you know, like in France there was this group Le Matachines mm-hmm. who would like, like I am penning a satirical ode in the paper criticizing the government. So that's okay. where they took their name from. All right. It's also easily deniable. Yeah. We're like, what are you? We're a literary society, We're, right? He wrote it all into a, a manifesto. I'm going to read you the bits in just a second. It's, and they called it an international fraternal order to serve as a service and welfare organization devoted to the protection and improvement of society's androgynous minority. Okay. And uh, the structure was based partly on that of the Communist Party and for, and partly on Freemasonry. Uh, uh, it, yeah, had it all comes back to oaths of, oaths of secrecy, dif- different levels of membership, mm-hmm. greater levels of involvement. Yeah, but like they actually had a secret. <laughs> they did actually. It's not the, well, I, you know, you, you don't want to just tell everybody that the Templar are still alive and living under the Himalayas. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you got to drink the acid wine first. Okay. <laughs> secret. 
So the primary goals of the society were one, unify homosexuals isolated from their own kind. Mm Mm-hmm. Two, educate homosexuals and heterosexuals towards an ethical homosexual culture paralleling the cultures of the Negro, Mexican, and Jewish peoples. Okay, yeah. You're like, I, yeah, we are, we're a group too. Mm-hmm. Lead the more socially conscious homosexual to provide leadership to the whole mass of social variants and assist gays who are victimized daily as a result of oppression. These are all excellent hey, things to do i think let's, let's talk about how if you were picked up and then your name and address were published printed in, in the paper, paper and yes and you were ruined forever mm-hmm. many killed themselves etc cetera, etc cetera. and they were the first we were like you know what there's really nothing wrong with you and probably you should not be persecuted like <laughs> hey this. wait a minute wacky thought <laughs> um, how about we at least don't put your picture in the paper right it's like busted for being gay uh, in February 1952, when founder Jennings was arrested in a Los Angeles park and charged with lewd behavior, mm-hmm. often that the men would plead guilty uh, to the charge and hope that it would go away. Right. But Jennings and the rest of the Fifth Order, which was their group, uh-huh. <clears throat> saw this as a means to address the issue of police entrapment. Uh, yeah. So which it was. Which it absolutely also, was. Also, those police entrapping got their knobs slobbed okay? no kidding i'm oh, gonna volunteer I'll, i to- volunteer for entrapment now uh-huh. yeah i think boy pete really likes doing that huh yeah thank yeah. good he's not gay he's just a dedicated policeman yeah. <laughs> yep he's really taking one for the team <laughs> several taking for the- several anyway yeah <laughs> the group <laughs> at once get, get to it pete <laughs> all right thanks Woo-hoo! guys so instead of doing that, he Jennings, after being arrested, said, yeah, I was. And why were you there trying to har- harass me? Yeah. What so, are you doing? What are you doing? They fought back. Uh, they changed the, like, made that little group, the Citizens Committee to Outlaw Entrapment, publicity and financial support and volunteers. Jennings admitted during the trial that he was a homosexual, but he was not guilty of this charge. He didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 in favor of acquittal, and the judge dismissed the charges. So they said this was a victory. Well, yeah. Because it's like, what? Look, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Are you going to arrest every man who's having sex in public? Because uh-huh. there's some also some ladies doing it, too. Well, and if you didn't catch me actually, like, you know, with the bone in my mouth, then mm-hmm. am I meeting somebody in public? Are you just going to go everywhere to, like, every, like, movie and right. sock hop? Are, are men not allowed to go to dinner? You yeah. Know? Exactly. So following the Jennings trial, the group expanded rapidly. By May 1953, over 2,000 people with as many as 100 joining. There were about 2,000 people in total and regular group meetings would bring in 100 people or so. Wow. Yes. And they had like a hot, hot newsletter, didn't they? They did. Well, yes, there was the call. Uh, and one I don't know if it was a hot newsletter I mean hot. they had an effective newsletter they had an effective this was, they're too busy being like communist uh, uh, yeah. organizers and stuff this is it's not that it's not like you know drummer early grinder <laughs> yes drummer <laughs> drummer like that one <laughs> so uh, huddle up the circle jerk magazine <laughs> so once as the group got bigger and it got more news and publicity and Harry, hey, oh, in 1953, the Los Angeles Daily published an article about how Harry Hay is a communist and a Marxist. Oh. And so he stepped down from his position at the head of the group so that they could be move like, on. Yeah, so that they can move on from that. This kind of split the group a little bit, and it resulted in a new organization called One, mm-hmm. which admitted women also. 
and was kind of the beginning. The women that joined one later went on to start the Daughters of Belitis that we're going to talk right. about. Right. They're a like, second. we need our own shit. Yes. But it's like, oh, here's a group. Okay. Thank you. Now we can have our own group. Right. right. Because one provided money to launch the Daughters of Belitis magazine, The Ladder, in 1956. Okay, I'm stepping back a little bit. Uh, well, this is also, mm-hmm. you know, 52, 56. It's like you could be fired from your job, but also like your government job. Yes. Because this is the Red Scare and yes. the Lavender oh, Scare. Oh, yes. The 100% the Lavender Scare. And so, you know, it's sort of like a damned if you do. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, if we're going to be gay, then let's also be communists. Well, yes. It's like, because we're going to get fired. I'm going to get fired and arrested and shit anyway. So I'm just going to do as much good as I possibly can. Yeah. And, Go ahead and get extra fired. Go ahead and get extra, extra fired. fired. All y'all's mamas. Uh, let's see. Um, hey, 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 that's where it started. That's where they, hey, hey, girl, hey, Hey, that's where it started. It was after Harry, hey. So, hey, remain involved in it. It's not true. It's not true at all. Word up. (laughs) Well, y'all dance. Do y'all dance. Do y'all dance. Quick, mama, come on, baby, tell me what's the word. A word word up. up. Everybody say. When you hear the call, you got to get it underway. Word up. (laughs) Word up. (laughs) Harry, hey. Now all you sucker (laughs) ex-gays. Okay, so um, he remained uh, involved in activist causes throughout his life, became a well-known, albeit controversial, elder statesman in the gay community. He founded the... Why was he controversial? Or are we about to find out? Oh, we're about to find out. Okay. And it's, it's not good. Uh, he founded the Radical yeah, Fairies, which is a group that mm-hmm. still is around today, and it's a bunch of like older gay men who are like... We I have glitter on our chest exactly. hair. Exactly. Like, glitter in the chest hair. Wearing a sarong. <laughs> yes, Radical glitter. Fairies. Um, he says... He continued to oppose what he perceived as harmful assimilationist attitudes within the gay community. He's like, we don't need to be like straight people. We're going to be our own people. Yeah. Quote, we pulled ugly green frog skin of heterosexual conformity over us. and oh, that's snap. And that's how we got wow. through school with a full set of teeth. Mm, we know how to live of through their eyes. We can always play their games. But are we denying ourselves by doing that? Mm-hmm. If you're going to carry the skin of conformity over you, you're going to ex- suppress the beautiful prince and princess within you. So, That's, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, oh, no. Hey was an active supporter of NAMBLA. Oh, I God knew yes. it. I knew it. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, yes. We're not. Yeah. yeah, which is a pedophile advocacy organization. If you want to learn more about it, you can put that on your browser you, history. <laughs> you can look that up. You can look that up yourself. Yeah. It's not good and I it's think not that's, right. <laughs> it's one of those things private browsing will not help you with. No, 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 no. List. He, but he, yeah, he protested. That was the hill that he chose to die on. He protested them being banned from pride parades during the 1986 Los Angeles Pride Parade, and he boycotted New York Pride. He would wear signs about their refusal to include NAMBLA. Oh, he would speak out in support of relationships. This is not shedding your, your no. fake heterosexual skin no. to, to do this. Yes. No. He spoke at several NAMBLA meetings, including panels in 84 and 86, and another in 1994, in which he helped the group strategize a name change so they could change their public image. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. <clears throat> he picked that hill to die on and spent the rest of Couldn't his career. Couldn't you in the 80s have been talking about like AIDS research and stuff like that? You, yeah, there was, there's there were, so many there other things so you could have done other... in the 80s. Nope, Can you call Larry Kramer? No. No. Yeah, I was like, I hope Harry Kramer. Absolutely Larry not. Kramer just punched you right in the face. Exactly. Because well, like here was really? like, really? Really? Yes. Uh, that Unfortunately, <laughs> I put that right at the very end of this part because like undoes a great deal of, did Will Gear die of AIDS? I don't think so, but now I don't know. I should have done a little more Will Gear impersonation uh, investigation. <laughs> Not impersonation. I'm going to do some impersonations too later. That's a halftime. <laughs> uh, Good night, John Boy. <laughs> Good night, Daddy. Squeaky's uh, going to do some impressions. <laughs> Look at me. I'm Gerald Ford. Ow, I got shot. Oh, it didn't go off. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, so, and that was it. And after that, like I said, the group kind of uh, came apart because there were so many other... Because then other things started getting picked up and started things started happening and then Stonewall happened. And uh, But he was, for what, the bad things he did later, he was really one of the first people that was like, you know what, well, this is a cultural group of its own. Right. And we're not bad. We're not bad people when we don't deserve to be persecuted. Okay, this is a total sort of... Okay, and then I have... Two little things. Bubble thing. Yes. Um, there was a movie that came out several years ago, and it might have been called The Magdalene Laundries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was about the Magdalene Laundries. Okay. Yeah. About the Irish women's workhouses yes. where they had children out of wedlock, uh-huh. and they were worked. It's horrifying. Horrifyingly worked in these it, laundries. It was called The Magdalene Sisters. The Magdalene oh, Sisters. sisters. Okay. That was the name. Yeah. And in one scene, one of the girls there... They're like being forced to like steam press clothes. Uh-huh. And she's she just says to the other one, she's like, We're not criminals. <laughs> you no. know, it's like I all we did, did was, was get pregnant. Get pregnant. We are not criminals. What, what the is fuck this? is uh-huh. this shit? And so and that's I see like Yeah, it's like we're not crim I'm not doing anything. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a criminal. I just don't want to marry a woman. I would yeah, rather You have made me a criminal. Yes, you have made me a criminal, but what I'm doing is nothing. It's nothing. It's and nothing. it's also none of your goddamn also business. Also none of your goddamn business. Exactly. Well, also the Magdalene laundries were like jumping into everybody's sex life, yes. which is also none of your goddamn none business. None of your goddamn business. And if I could have an abortion, I wouldn't be here. Oh, but I can't. Uh-huh. No, you can't do any of that. No. You can't have an abortion, but if you have that baby, you're a bad person. Right. You're just like, thank you, Catholic Church. <clears throat> so yeah, it's like, he's the one who's like, we're not criminals. We're not criminals. We're not doing it. Stop it. Yeah. yeah, and then they did that again at Stonewall, where they're like, "Leave us alone. <laughs> we're, we're we're in our bar quietly doing our own thing. There's no. We need. are adults. Yes, <laughs> I can dance with another man if I want to. Christ. Yeah. Stop thinking about. Stop thinking about my sex life. Yeah. You crunchy old Protestants. If, you, if yours was any good, maybe you'd have something else to no, do. No, because nothing no. Jesus hates more, more than people just having fun. People having fun. <laughs> the enjoyment of any kind. Any kind. God <sighs> made you. God gave you sexuality as a precious gift. No, don't do. No, don't. No. Is this the same? Don't. Is this the same God that like was sent like? ordered all the children of Israel to be killed, you know? Not all of them. Just the bad ones. <laughs> Not all of them. Is this this pro-life God that yes. you know, Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho because, like, he was told to kill all the children? Yes. Uh, there are a few, there's some cultural references. Yes, yes, yes. In the Quantum Leap comic book, 
There's oh. an issue called Up Against a Stone Wall. Is it canon? What? That's awesome. <laughs> it- yes, there's uh, a, 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 an issue of the Quantum Leap comic book called Up Against the Stone Wall mentions the Mattachine Society and the Daughters of Belitis and talks about the Stonewall Riots. That that's, would be a cool one to read. That's yeah. funny. Quantum Leap, good show. Quantum Leap was a good show. Uh, it was the- like, oh, this is like a history and a time girl. Uh-huh. That was like kind of like my Doctor Who, really. Yeah, that was. it's a good one. Uh, in the 2011 TV series The Playboy Club on NBC, yes. there's a lesbian Playboy bunny in a lavender marriage with a gay man, and they're both members of the Chicago Mattachine I chapter. watched that show so, briefly. Go on. And, and in 2009, the Mattachine Society and its founders became the subjects of a play called The Temperamentals by John Marins. The play opened off-Broadway in the New World stage in 2010, and it uh, received a Drama Desk Award for Best Ensemble Cast. And Michael Urie from Ugly Betty Yay! played uh, Ru- uh, played Rudy. And yeah, he, and I went to see it. Oh, that's really? when Penny and I and her parents all went to New York City, and we went to see the Temperamentals oh, off Broadway uh-huh, and saw Michael Urie, and it was very good. And he showed his butt. And was, <laughs> oh my god! So yes, so that's the boys. <laughs> okay, pause, pause. Um, I would also like to point out, shamefully, shittily, Uh the, when was it, 2020, 2019, Ryan Murphy show Hollywood. Oh, God, yes. Which is so fucking terrible. Just read, oh, God. It's so bad. This is an anti-Ryan Murphy podcast. This is an anti-Ryan Murphy podcast. It was so bad. and For so many reasons. The Henry Wilson who is a whole other bag of worms, but Henry Wilson was a gay agent in the 50s mm-hmm. who gave Rock Hudson and Tab Hunter mm-hmm. their careers. Yes. And in this... Travesty of a miniseries. Mangling of history and travesty of a series, Henry Wilson, who was, everybody knew, kind of ugly, super fucking mean, and like demanded BJs. You know, like... <laughs> so you want the career? Yeah, exactly. And at the very, very end, there's this like redemption arc moment moment where <clears throat> Harry Wilson, played by Jim Parsons, <clears throat> who just devours the scenery, just like comes to him and he's like, there's this new club I've joined. It's called the Mattachine Society. <laughs> and I was like, there's oh god god there's also a murder mystery series called the bletchley circle Mm -hmm. about bletchley park gals all the mysteries and then there's a second season where they go to san francisco yeah and there's one uh episode where somebody you know you think this person's secret is that they're a murderer but what it turns out is that they're in the mattachine society (laughs) okay fine because mom and i were watching it and i was like oh wait that's harry hey they're gonna be gay they're in the mattachine society and later it's like it's an organization called the mattachine society (laughs) and mom's like you were right i'm like should i know my gay history okay okay Okay. Okay. Dorothy Arzner was really good in that Hollywood. Yeah, she was. She, she was. was. That was a terrible, it terrible was awful. show for a lot of reasons. Awful. So, but the Daughters of Belitis, the DOB, was the first lesbian civil right, civil and political rights organization in the United States. After World War II, anti-communist sentiments became associated with the personal secrets of people who worked for the government, all that kind of stuff. Politically motivated raids on gay bars. There were laws against cross-dressing for men and women. And specifically regarding San Francisco's history, where the Daughters of Belitis were founded, in 1954, there were big raids on two big lesbian bars, Adler, Adler's and Tommy's Place. Mm-hmm. And this got them, they were like, enough. Yeah. <laughs> Leave yes. us alone. Leave There's us alone. <laughs> we're, we're not only gay, but we are women. That's right. For real, leave us alone. 
And so uh, two, the two women who started this club were Del Martin and uh, Phyllis Lyon. Del Martin was born Dorothy Louise Talaferro in San Francisco. Uh oh. She graduated from George Washington High School, went to UC Berkeley. She got a Doctor of Arts in Human Sexuality. Why that's an art, I don't know. Damn. <laughs> it seems like a science. Right? Yeah. She was married for four years to a man named James Martin and retained his name after his divorce. Phyllis Lyons was born in November in 1924 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey. Yeah. And she also went to UC Berkeley. In the 40s, she worked for the Chico Enterprise Record. <laughs> and during the 1950s, she worked as part of the editorial staff of two Seattle magazines, which is where she met Phyllis, mm-hmm. or Dell and Phyllis met. They worked for the same magazine. They became Were they new- together? They, they met there and then got together. Like partner, like, yes. like lesbian lovers? They became lovers, lovers in 1952 okay. and entered into a partnership in 53 when they moved to San Francisco together. Mm-hmm. Uh, many years later, they recalled how they learned to live together. We really only had problems our first year, year said Lyon. Dell would leave her shoes in the middle of the room and I'd throw them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin said, yeah, you'd have an argument with me and try to storm out the door and I had to teach you how to fight back. And they stayed together for the rest of, of their lives. Of course they did, yes. yeah. And like most of the lesbians, they're like, I met her and hung on to her forever. <laughs> and like, whatever happened, we worked through we it. We worked through it. And the boys were like, I had sex with 27 people yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> they got married when you were first able to get married. And they're like, med- wear- <laughs> wedding pantsuits yes. are in a LGBT museum in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> they are I- not the ones that, that, I can't remember their names right now. Supreme Court case was Edie Windsor. Edie Windsor. And that's Thea. it. Yes, I get. I don't remember yeah. Thea's last name, but that's not. Yeah, it's not them. But they they were always active activists, mm-hmm. and they they did, did not pass away all that long ago. Yeah. So the name of the club was chosen in the second meeting. Belitis is the name of the fictional lesbian contemporary of Sappho in the poet's uh, Pierre Louis songs of Belitis where she lives on the Isle of Lesbos. The name was chosen for its obscurity. Daughters was meant to be like the D-A-R. Yeah. And so the da- Daughters of Belitis. Rainbow Girls. Rainbow Girls. They said that they could be secret. That way you could be secret if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. If anyone asked us, we could say we belong to a poetry club. There you go. They designed a pin to be able to wear. <gasps> nice. That said, uh, qui vive, uh, French for on alert. Oh, wow. Yes. And they filed a charter for non-corp- uh, non-profit status and wrote a description so vague that it could have been a, for a cat raising club. <laughs> just some ladies just getting some ladies. together. It's, you don't want to look into this. We're just, just ladies. ladies. Yes. Within a year of creation, most of the original eight participants were no longer part of the group, but their number was up to 16. They just started off being like a social group, and then they decided they wanted to be a, more of a social group and have be an alternative to the bars. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. It's like here, you want to, if you want to meet people, but you don't want to go to the bars, then you can like, join the group. I'm in my 50s. Yeah. I wish I had this group now. My, honest my, to God. my <laughs> husband is dead. Thank God. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, but I'm not going to go to the bar. <laughs> no. Yeah. The group was never as big or populous as the Mattachine Society. Mm hmm. I don't know if they were hindered by the fact that there weren't like the same cruising opportunities. I don't know. I don't know. Because when I read about Harry Hay, you get to hear all about who's boning the stevedores, but the ladies are just like, right. We just want to get together and talk. (laughs) 
the group recognized that many women felt shame about their sexual desires at all and were ashamed to admit them. And mm-hmm. they knew that without the support to develop self-confidence necessary to advocate one's, for one's rights, no social change would be possible. That's right, because if a woman doesn't want to have sex with a man, there's something wrong, wrong with, with her. her. Uh-huh. Or who cares, because you're going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Sex isn't there for you to enjoy. It's your It's your duty. Duty. Protestant God said so. Uh. In 1959, by 1959, there were chapters of the Daughters of Belitis in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Rhode Island. Okay. Along with San Francisco. Upon arrival at a meeting, attendees would be greeted at the door, and a show of good faith, the greeter would say, I am, you know, I'm Amanda, who are you? You don't have to give me your real name. Oh. Soon after forming, and they're the, like, and that's where why all lesbians are now named Kim, and Kim, Renee. Joe, and Renee. That was in the eighties. That was it. Kim, <laughs> Joe, and Renee. I don't know what their names are now, but <laughs> when I was in college, it was Kim, Joe, and Renee. <clears throat> Soon after, it's true. Oh, it's true. <laughs> the, uh, the DOB wrote a mission statement that addressed the significant, most significant problem that Martin and Lyon had faced as a couple: the complete lack of information about female homosexuality. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even a Kinsey report for ladies at this point. It was just yeah. a Kinsey report it for men. It was just maybe a lack of information about female sexuality. Female sexuality as a whole. Because who cares? Those women aren't scientists. When the club realized they were not allowed to advertise their meetings in the local newspaper, Lyon and Martin, who both had backgrounds in German- journalism, came up with their own newspaper. There you go. It was called right. The Ladder, and it was the first nationally distributed publication, lesbian publication in the U.S., and one of the one, first ones to publish statistics. They would mail out surveys to their readers and print the uh, results of them. I've seen oh. like online copies uh-huh. of it, and they're like, here's your ditto machine. It's a ditto machine, hand drawn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here's my illustration of, it, of a lady <laughs> climbing a ladder. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it's the ladder because you're helping other women like uh, up. Up. Yes. Their statement was for the, a women's organization for the purpose of promoting the integration of the homosexual into society. And their statement was composed of four parts that prioritized the purpose of the organization and printed on the inside cover of every entry of the, every issue of the latter until 1970. Number one, education of the variant to enable her to understand herself and make her adjustment to society. This to be accomplished by establishing a library on the sexual deviant theme, mm-hmm. sponsoring published public discussions to be led by leading members of legal, psychiatric, religious and other professions, advocating a mode of behavior and dress acceptable to society. They were very assimilationist. Yeah. Two, education of the public leading to eventual breakdown of erroneous taboos and prejudices. Okay. Three, participation in research by duly authorized and respectable psychologists and sociologists. And four, investigation of the penal code as it pertains to homosexuals and proposal of changes in the laws. Mm-hmm. So those are there for. New York chapter president Barbara Giddings. And yes. Yes, librarian. Noted that the word variant was used instead of lesbian because lesbian was a word that had a negative connotation. But like variant doesn't. But variant is. Yes. Now we're going to go to tiny. Variant's weird as hell. I know. Like invert and deviant. Yeah, I know. Here's a tiny Barbara Giddings sidebar because she was a librarian. Mm-hmm. Barbara Giddings, uh, 1932 to 2007, prominent American activist for LGBT equality, organized the New York chapters of the DOB from 1958 to 1963, mm-hmm. uh, edited the latter, et cetera, et cetera. She worked on the first picket lines that brought attention to the ban on the employment of gay people by the U.S. government. 
She was most involved in the American Library Association, including its Gay Caucus, the first in such professional organization to promote positive litter about homosexuality in libraries and to uh, change it from getting it to drop be dropped from the APA as a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And also, she worked on she changed the subject headings. Oh yeah, so that if you were searching oh. for subject headings for books, it wasn't all just like mental illness, deviance. Yeah. It was, yeah, you could just look at it. It was three oh seven. Yep. She was awarded lifetime membership to the ALA and the American Library Association named its annual award for best gay or lesbian novel, the Barbara Giddings Award. What do we owe Barbara? The, uh, Matt Foreman, executive director of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, said, "What do we owe Barbara?" Everything. Yes. The Stonewall Award for Adult Literature is named after her. Being on the Stonewall Book Award Committee was one of the best professional and personal experiences I have ever had. I'm going to give a quick shout out. Tess, Lisa, Lewis, Jason, all my other BAC Stonewall friends. Love you. Yeah. So, the Yay. Barbara Giddings. Yay. In 1960, the DOB held their first convention in San Francisco. Prompting the San Francisco Chronicle to write, the Daughters of Belitis will hold their national convention here in May. They're female counterparts of the Mattachine Society. And one of the convention highlights will be addressed by attorney Morris Lowenthal entitled The Gay Bar in the Courts. Oh, brother. I mean, sister. Come to think of it, I don't know what I mean. Oh, fuck you. Thanks, San Francisco Chronicle. The courts is where the action happens. (laughs) You know all those gay people? They're also lawyers. Guess what? (laughs) 200 women attended the conference, as did the San Francisco police, who came in to check to see if any DOB members were wearing men's clothes. Fuck Wow. Yeah. Well, that definitely would have been hurting. Del Martin. Point. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, women wearing pants was... Right. Wrong and bad. Wrong and bad. Del Martin brought the police inside and let them see all of the women wearing dresses, stockings, and heels. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just... Oh, wow. Ladies. Yes. They attended... Here's my... Slap dashy. <laughs> right, here you go. I'm wearing it. So ACLU talked, an Episcopal priest talked, went on a tirade, which they listened to. Uh, it's like, they who invited you, Mr. Episcopal priest, who served no up damnation shit. along with dessert? Get the fuck out. I know. The DOB gave awards to allied men, who they called the Sons of Belitis, uh-huh. including lawyers, photographers, and members of the Mattachine Society. In 1960, letters from readers in the latter expre- started to say that they were tired of expressing like conformity. Stop right. telling us how to like be more like straight people so we right. can hide. Please tell- stop telling me how uh-huh. to dress like a woman. Right. And this is the 60s. We're getting on into the 60s. So they're a little bit, you know what? I don't really care. No. People, people are wearing jeans yes. all over. Yes. Uh, in 1961, the largest grade on a gay bar in San Francisco resulted in the arrests of 100 people. The police forced the women arrested to disrobe to prove that they weren't wearing men's underwear. What the oh. fucking Oh, they did that fuck. often. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, the butch dykes and the drag queens were regularly beaten and raped by the police. If you would like to read a good and extremely sad book about this, you should read Leslie Feinberg's book, Stone Butch Blues, where she talks about every time they were arrested, the police would rape her. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Yes. Uh, because the latter was the primary method of communication from the leadership of the DOB, the editor position was extremely influential in the group. Lesbian organizations at the time and still into this day are all about collectives, coalitions, having a quorum, consensus, mm. sliding scales. Mm. Barbara Giddings was this a little... This is what happens when nobody wants to be in charge, <laughs> when everything is too fair. Too fair. It's uh, Yes, it's all about being so fair. So, so fair. fair. And you're like... 
so fair. Can you, somebody has to be a little bit in charge. Somebody okay? needs to say, no, we need to vote on this today and not table it until next Constantly week. Constantly table it, exactly. And somebody has to be comfortable with the idea that not everybody is going to be happy. Yes. We're also. Yes. Someone has to be comfortable with the idea that somebody's got to lead the meeting. Somebody's got to lead the meeting. And like sometimes votes have losers and then that's all right because mm-hmm. we voted and that's what it happened. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the meeting has to end. <laughs> also that true. Uh, See <laughs> lesbian breakups. <laughs> oh my God. You're four. Uh, we're still best friends. Uh, let's see. Uh, in 1964, Martin and Lyon began to control less of the organization, saying that we needed to, if it's going to be valid, we can't be the boss of it the whole time. We right. need to spread it out a little bit more. We're getting older. We're Also, we're getting older. Editing the latter was a full-time job, and longtime DOB member Helen Sandoz, who had taken over editing it after Barbara Giddings left, was so burdened by the responsibilities that it was affecting her relationship, so she passed it on to a woman named Barbara Greer in 1968. Greer had higher aspirations for the latter. She took off the words a lesbian review. R-E-V-U. Review. And started, she wanted to attract more women readers. She made it bigger. She started like soliciting short stories and poetry and stuff like that. From the beginning, the latter sought to reach out to the women who were isolated by assuring them that they were not alone, but then she started adding more into it. Mm -hmm. Lots of contributors, advice columns on how to raise children, but while being a deviant, <laughs> Marion Zimmer Bradley, whom we discussed uh, last time, offered advice on whether to stay married after one knows that you're a lesbian, which would be awesome if she wasn't a pedo apologist and molester of her own daughters. That's right. Yes. The issue of marriage was brought up again uh, in 1959 when they reported on a panel discussion that debated if marriage could cure homosexuality. Nope. All opinions of the psychotherapists saying that no, because it's not a disease. Why don't you let us get Talk married? Uh huh. We would love to form a nuclear family. Yeah, no kidding. Barbara Greer did do some cool stuff. She got Romaine Brooks, Rita Mae Brown, Georgia O'Keefe. Uh, lots of people made big contributions. Yeah. But in 1970, there was a big rift slash scandal that pretty much led to the end of the organization. Convinced that the DOB was falling apart and the latter must be saved, uh, Barbara Greer worked with President Rita Laporte to take the subscriber list from the DOB headquarters to Reno, where she could expand the magazine further. Wait a minute. There was only two copies of the subscription list, which was basically the list of everybody who belonged to the group. Because it was a secret. Secret and private. And she stole it. And took it, took the list of 3,800 names from DOB headquarters to the printing office without telling anybody. Uh When Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon realized that the list was gone, they assumed that the police or the FBI had confiscated it. Oh, shit. And everything blew up because they said, you stole this. You're not being careful with it. Yeah. You took it over state lines. Pursuing it would have been a federal matter. They didn't have enough money to see it through. And then that kind of busted everybody up, unfortunately. And so, yes, the Daughters of Belight is folded in 1970, although some local chapters continued until 1995. Well, good. Also, by 1970, there were other groups. Yes, and by that time, there was was starting to be a little bit more stuff going on Mm -hmm. and a little bit less of the being constantly arrested and having your bars raided, which, yay. Yeah. So there you have it. The early oh, homophile yeah. movement in the United States. Fantastic. The D- Mattachine Society slash Daughters of Belitis. Let us yes. ask Okay. And we're going to think about them as one organization. We are going to think about them as one organization. And even though I do not qualify for either organization, I'm still. Definitely you should just go. Quali- join. Absolutely. So 
Do we have a hat or a, a song? Do we have a hat or a song? No, we have a pin. <laughs> you have a special pin yep, that you can sure. use to identify mm. somebody else, but that's not quite the same as a hat or a song. No. Rudy, Rudy can whip you up a little something. something. A topless bikini. Possibly. Okay. It's just underpants. It is. It's, it, look. No, it looks kind of like the one, like Andre the Giant's one-shouldered oh. like wrestling singlet. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's like the bottom part of a bathing, a one-piece bathing suit that kind of comes up to your waist. Uh-huh. And then there will be like one strap or like two, two straps, straps that go that around go your boobs in some way. Over your shoulder. Not it's, to split hairs, but like, that's not a bikini. No. It's a topless bikini. There's... Uh, what it is is an excuse to get your tits out, and I'm furious that I today cannot get my topless <laughs> bikini and go and fucking sunbathe on my front yard. Nope, because nope, why nope. my tits are evil, evil, evil titties. Well, I've said that for years. Brian, right. they bewitched you. That's Whoa. for sure. Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks later, we were married. Ah, <laughs> handshakes, secret symbols. Not that I. I mean, again, there was the pin, the, the mattachine mm-hmm. pin, or the D-O-B also pin. the secret handshakes of the homosexual. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, call it a handshake, exactly. Secrets, any sort of secret identification. The whole organization was a secret handshake. No kidding. Sort of a secret hand job. Yeah. It's getting points. It is definitely getting points. Is this about Jesus? Nope. nope. Uh, do they have an agenda? Yes, they do. They, they have a numbered, have bullet-pointed agenda with specific and yeah. noble aims in they mind. They have a tight agenda. That's so much of an agenda, they had to make a newspaper. They did. It's like, agenda part one, we need a newspaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, agenda, the agenda can no longer be contained by a mere agenda. <laughs> That's right. More than a memo on this. How much will it cost? I never saw anything... No. I never saw. I don't think it had dues so much. I think the cost is is, is like labor. Like yeah. the activism yeah. you, you can is the cost. It's the cost. I don't know that there were dues. I could be wrong, but in nothing that I saw was like, and it cost $50 a month to join. No, but yeah. you gave your money to, I don't know, the fucking potluck, or you gave yes, your money. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's a sliding scale. It's a lesbian shit from the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s, so it'll be a sliding scale. More if you can, less if you can't. Mm-hmm. So it's about money. At least it's not going to cost too much. So, no. Yeah. Non, when were non-whites allowed to join? That was never prohibited as far as I can tell. I was there participation, though? There was not leadership of color that I know of. And okay. there was one, and I cut, there was, I mean, I could talk about both of these for a long time. There was a black poet named, I'll look it up in a minute. Uh, Audre Lorde, no. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but she, was the, she was first published in the, ladder so was it Nikki Giovanni it was not any her name's Erskine I think but it's not Erskine Caldwell okay uh but she uh, Maya no no it's none of the if I if it was any of those I would remember okay. Zora Neale Hurston no no uh, so, so non-whites were I don't know how many did participate but I, they were not ever excluded prohibited especially not with the commies so. okay is this a legit organization yes. yes yes it is anybody famous yeah you know, Rita Mae Brown and uh, Rudy Garenrich. Gern- Will Gear. Will Gear. See, Will Gear. There you go. God. All right. Is that it? That's it. Let me make sure I have my, I've given everything the white points that I want because okay. I don't want it to be too. Okay. Okay. I'm ready to go with it's math time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's me. good. That's how I feel about math too. Yep. Okay. Ready, go. 17, 24, 8, 
Uh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, 6. 8, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Did I add that twice? Is that right? <laughs> 10, 10, 41, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, 48, Oh, shit. It's 102. It is. Is it? It is 102. Okay. Hey. Yeah. That's not bad. There we go. All right. Excellent. That's a high score. It is a pretty high score. Well, it's a pretty good group. It is a pretty good group. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It's halftime. Squeaky is outside trying to organize the drag queens into a union. The drag queens are not not interested. And they're not even... There. Yeah, she's outside looking for drag queens to organize into a union. We were going to have Billy Bragg saying at halftime, but he won't cross the picket lines. He won't. (laughs) But, you know, there's still seltzer. There's still seltzer. It's working man's seltzer. It's working man's seltzer. It's a plowman's lunch. Plowman's lunch. That's the seltzer. Mama's lunch comes with pickled onions bobbing around in Exactly. Exactly. Delicious. Delicious. So good. <laughs> Workers of the world unite and have, have a drink. A Workers of the world get fucked up. Get fucked up. Get fucked up. Get crunk. <laughs> We'd like to start the second half by saying we were not aware that the T-shirt cannon had been repaired, nor were we aware that, uh, well, we'd just like to apologize profoundly to those in the audience who were hit by flying seltzers from the T-shirt cannon. Uh, The ambulances are queued up outside. Um, They're taking numbers. They're doing some triage. If the ambulance cannot accommodate you immediately, please be patient. (laughs) Enjoy a seltzer in the meanwhile. Enjoy a seltzer. Perhaps they they do dull the pain significantly. They do. They they pack a wallop, let me tell you. They do. They may not even treat you when you get to the hospital. (laughs) It's true. Because you're intoxicated. That's right. You need to go. But And I also have to give a special shout out to the squeaky from Nicki Minaj drag queen mashup artiste uh, Leaky Fromage. Who she has organized a drag queen union against Squeaky. Against Squeaky. Yeah. Because these drag queens are not about shooting no. the president. No, they don't They do not do that. And But they do wear that like red sleeveless cape really well. They do. So. They do. They do. Uh, I, I don't think they mean it as an, a positive homage. They don't. They don't. Uh, don't, yeah. don't tell Squeaky. I don't think it would matter if we did. <laughs> it didn't go off. <laughs> just, just keep telling yourself that. T-shirt cannon went off. <laughs> it sure Monster. did. It sure fucking did. <laughs> okay. Sorry, <Okay>. kids. <laughs> That's right. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Picture it. Okay. 
Chicago. Yes. 1905. Ooh. Today, on June 27th, 1905, you have faked typhus in order to get a day <laughs> off from your job at the slaughterhouse where you work on the line trimming fat from lean meat. Uh, did, does typhus get you a day off? Because from everything I, I read, <laughs> <laughs> just up, like, up to Sinclair would like a word. Sneeze your typhus directly into the breakfast meat. That's right, to keep it from going elsewhere. <laughs> Okay, 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 sorry. I'm picturing this, I'm picturing this. Picture it, picture it. Okay. And, and you as a lady, you work on the line trimming fat from lean meat because it's not good for ladies to work on the killing floor. Well, yeah. there is that. <laughs> Congratulations. It's not as though women haven't been killing livestock uh, Right, eat. like wouldn't want a woman to see some blood, but yeah. okay. All right. It's mainly just so they could pay you less. Oh, so true. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, you fake typhus to attend the founding convention of the Industrial Workers of the World. Hell yeah. For mm-hmm. months, you have been hearing about this brand new kind of revolutionary working class organization. Ooh, working class hero. That's right. A man named Billy Joel. Oh. Shut up. Oh, God. All right. William D. Big Bill Hayward Whoa. opens Bill. the meeting with this. Quote, fellow workers, in calling this convention to order, I do so with a sense of the responsibility that rests upon me and rests upon every delegate that is here assembled. This is the Continental Congress of the working class. We are here to confederate the workers of this country into a working class movement that shall have for its purposes the emancipation of the working class from the slave bondage of capitalism. Hell yes. And this, my friends and listeners, was the foundation of the Industrial Workers of the World, a.k.a. the Wobblies. Excellent. Big Bill and Warren G gonna regulate Confederate. I bet somebody named Big Bill was involved in some Mattachine groups too. It's a totally different thing. Mishifon. Okay, so the idea for the Wobblies was born in 1904 when labor leaders got together to plan some like hot shit. Are you guys talking while I'm talking? No. Yeah, we're paying attention, ma'am. Just singing. Okay, so these labor leaders that got together to plan something big, I'm going to talk about each of these people because they're, all of their philosophies mash together okay. to make the Wobblies. And so when it's like, what are the Wobblies all about? It's like, we're going to talk okay. about these people and they're going to tell you because uh, there were unions before, but the Wobblies were like a brand new kind of union. Okay, like a union of unions. It is a union <clears throat> of unions. William D. Big Bill Haywood. He was an advocate of industrial unionism, which is a labor philosophy that favors organizing all workers Mm. in an industry under one union, regardless of the specific skill, trade, level. Okay, so it's not like, here's the teacher's union, here's the stevedore's union. This This was in contrast to the the craft unions, Uh, which workers organized on basis of their particular craft or trade. They made Velveeta. Or they made shells and cheese. There you go. There or salad dressing. <laughs> Various craft unions. Delicious. The AFL, the American Federation of Labor, uh-huh. is a craft union. This contrasts with industrial unionism, in which all workers in the same industry are organized into the same union. Hayward believed that the workers of all ethnicities Mm. should be united and favored direct action over political action. Hey. Now, direct action being Political violence, arson, assault, 
property destruction. So the, 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 he's pro this. He's pro this. Excellent. He's like, like right. you unions. You need. To yeah. Like, he's like the Malcolm X of unions. Right. He's, he's like, like, I'm going to burn down your house. You need to fuck some shit up in order to get shit done. He's not wrong. Okay. So, the lady who burned down that fucking mansion. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. That's right. So Big Bill Hayward, one of the founders of the Wobblies. He's not Big Bill Tilden. No. Totally different. <laughs> different. Gotcha. Another man named James Connolly, who was a founder, and he was an Irish Republican, a socialist, and a trade union leader. He was the founder of the Irish Socialist Republican Party, whose aim was to establish the Irish Workers' Republic. And in 1916, he was executed by firing squad for his role as a leader in the Easter uprising of that year. Oh, Oh, that was Connolly who was shot in the chair. James, no. James Connolly? He couldn't stand up, uh, so they put him in a chair. Because he'd been so hard. Yes. Oh, God. So his jailers put him in a chair and shot him to and death. shot him to death. Well, that sounds fair. Thanks, England. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, prior to that, he was like, so, about political violence, arson, <laughs> assault. <laughs> Something I know about. property destruction. I'm hey. extremely pro these. Let's fucking talk. Another man named Daniel DeLeon was a newspaper editor a socialist newspaper editor, a Marxist theoretician, Mm. and a trade union organizer. And he is regarded as the forefather of the idea of revolutionary industrial unionism and was the leading figure in the Socialist Labor Party of America from 1890 until the time of his death, which I did not write down. That's okay. All right. Here's a powerhouse. Eugene V. Debs. Hey, there's a name you know. Eugene V. Debs was a socialist, political activist, trade unionist, and five times the candidate of the Socialist Party of America for the President of the United States. And a five-time MVP. There we go. Eugene V. Debs. Nine Eugene V. Debs. Debs. His album, Sounds of Debs, Volume (laughs) 6. Burn it up the charts. Nine Super Bowl, four rings. There you go. (laughs) Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP, (laughs) Eugene Debs. Debs got to start working for the Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen. Everybody's doing... Oh, sorry. That's right. Which was... The Locomotive Firemen. A Railroad Brotherhood. And he went on to found the American Railroad Union in 1893, which led to his involvement in the Pullman Strike of 1894. I was say, and now we're going to talk about the Pullman the Strike. Pullman Porters, yay! Oh, yeah. on this weekend, which is the anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, let's we're hear about the about, well, Pullman Porters. Union. Yes, there's the. <clears throat> we're going to get into that. Okay, right. here's a bit about the Pullman Strike. The Pullman Strike was a national railroad strike in the United States that lasted from May 11th to July 20th, 1894. It pitted the American Railway Union, led by Debs, against the Pullman Company, led by George Pullman, who invented the sleeping car. Right. Which is kind of amazing. Like, he was, like, tired of sleeping on train seats. Right. And this is a hard bench. How about if we have a little He invented the sleeping car and also basically invented services on the train like you can get something to eat um, yes let's it's not just sit here with our, go our to harken back to little house on the prairie when like they pack their boiled eggs in a box and, and sat on a wooden bench for like 15 hours uh-huh. with, mm-hmm. with the wind blowing smuts into their blowing eyes smuts <laughs> into their eyes so the american railway union were up against um the main railroads and the federal government always and so they went on strike. The strike and boycott shut down 
much of the nation's freight and passenger traffic. Ooh. And this is back when we had passenger trains. This is 1894. <laughs> so passenger trains, a thing. Uh, right. And then the conflict began in Pullman, Chicago. Hey. On May 11th, when nearly 4,000 factory workers of the Pullman Company began a wildcat strike in Ooh. response to a recent reduction in wages. So the wildcat strike, big with the wobblies. I love I love the phrase wildcat strike. Me too. It too. is the wildcat strike Ow. is an action undertaken <laughs> by unionized workers without the union's leadership authorization, support, or approval. We're just fucking walking out. We're just man. fucking walking out, dude. It pounces on you, sneaks up on you like a ghost. Sneaks up on you like and a ghost. on him like a goddamn panther. So Ow. the <laughs> factory workers who built Pullman cars lived in the Company town. I was going to say Pullman, Pullman yeah. on the south side of Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Does they load fifteen tons, and what do they get? There we go. So when Pullman's company laid off workers and lowered wages, it did not reduce rents because uh-huh. they worked in a company town. Which, oh my fucking god, the company town yes. that it was ever allowed to exist. The, the, yeah, that 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 is a thing. It's like here's the company we own your house. We're not paying you in real money. Here's script. <laughs> yeah. You, you can only buy your groceries from this store. store. Uh-huh. This is totally fair. <laughs> it's totally fair. If you work hard, you'll rise all the way up to the top. It'll be great. You just no, have to work harder. No, you won't. No, no. This so the work. reasons for the strike were the absence of democracy within the town of Pullman and its policies, the rigid paternalistic control of the workers by the company, mm-hmm. excessive water and gas rates, and a refusal by the company to allow workers to buy and own their own home. Okay. So, yeah, they were slaves that belonged. Yes. They were yeah. getting away. Indentured servants. Indentured servants. Now, the Pullman strike was ultimately unsuccessful. However, in 1925, <clears throat> the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, yes, who were primarily if not exclusively black, was founded by A. Philip Randolph. I also found out... Just that A. Philip Randolph. But A. Philip Randolph. Yes, I know. No, no, um, the Philip Randolph. <laughs> the A. Philip Randolph. This Brotherhood of the Sleeping Car Porters, who were primarily, if not exclusively black, some of the sleeping car porters were Filipino men. Oh, yeah. Who served in, like, the bar cars. Okay. So they were also considered... <laughs> People of color. Right. Yes. But somehow it's like Philip- fancier. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, they're, 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 they're colored, but they're not black. Exactly. Ugh. So they're allowed That's to make you drinks. Probably okay. regular old skin tone racism there. Right. Really yeah. Is. Just basically. It really is. And they're s- kind of Asian. That makes them a little better. No, this that. is not our actual country. That's yeah. not true. The sleeping car porters were known as red caps because yes. they wore red caps. And they played a huge role in the first Great Migration mm-hmm. after the Civil War in 1925, mm-hmm. where these black men got a job with wages. Right. A, a quality job. A quality job. And they went all around the country and they were like, came back home and they were like, hey, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> guess where how other people live. <laughs> guess how other people live. And the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters played a huge role in building the black middle class. Yes. Like, you can get out of the South on this train... Uh-huh. And get a real... And get, get a, a decent job. Decent job. And be treated with a modicum of respect. There is still racism. Yes. Oh, yes. It is not the law. 
<laughs> That's right. It's you're still it's still racist. It's still there for sure. However, however, so George Pullman died of a heart attack at the age of sixty six in eighteen ninety seven, which is only three years after the original strike, not the A. Philip Randolph strike. Gotcha. Fearing that some of his former employees or other labor supporters might try to dig up his body. Pullman's family arranged for his remains to be placed in a lead-lined mahogany coffin, which was then sealed inside a block of concrete. In a heart-shaped mausoleum inside the house. No. No, okay, sorry. At the cemetery, a large pit had been dug at the family plot. At its base and walls were 18 inches of reinforced concrete. (laughs) Bazooka-proof. The uh, bazooka-proof. Seriously. The coffin was lowered and covered in asphalt and tar paper. Gracious sakes. More concrete was poured on top, followed by a layer of steel rails bolted together at right (laughs) angles and another layer of concrete. The entire burial process took two days, and this was entirely because Pullman knew how much his workers fucking hated hated him. him. I was waiting for you to finish that sentence, and I was hoping it was finished with... Despite this, his body was stolen. <laughs> I wish within thirty-six hours. I wish and uh, dragged behind a train. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, you know no, deep no. inside what a piece of shit you are. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So even though we went Cock on, Cock brother, are you taking? Oh. <laughs> no. Shit. Jesus. So even though we went on a little side trestle, that's good. There to Pullman. Oh, sidetracked. Ah! Oh. We were talking about Eugene Debs. Lead line. I mean. Did he, th- did he think he was radioactive? I don't know. I was going to say, they filled, it was also surrounded with a, like, a layer pitch blend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he did not want Superman to be able yeah, to no, see his body. You can visit his grave, which I've seen in Graceland Cemetery in Chicago, and it is there's just like columns and colonnades and <laughs> blah, da, 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 da. Fruit, cornucopias chiseled in the marble. Chiseled in the marble. Oh, wait, Are there so, any train cars and stuff on it? No. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. After all that, dude, you didn't I even know, put a train but car? But in going to Chicago cemeteries, you will see some gravestones that are like it's train amazing. cars. Train cool. cars. Very cool. Okay, so, but anyway, that mm-hmm. sidetrack okay, so was about good. Eugene Debs. Another founder of uh, the Wobblies yeah. was a man named Thomas Haggerty, who was an American Roman Catholic priest and trade union act- activist. Haggerty was the author of the preamble to the Constitution of the IWW. Cool. Can you sing it like in the that really Sadly, awesome? no. So another founder was a woman named Lucy Parsons. She was born into slavery as the child of an African-American mother who was owned by a man named Tolliver, who was probably Lucy's father. Yeah. She was an American labor organizer, a radical soci- socialist, and an Anarcho-communist. Ooh, not just a communist. No. An anarcho-communist. Anarcho-communism is a political philosophy and anarchist school of thought which advocates the abolition of the state, abolition of capitalism, wage labor, social hierarchies, and private property in favor of common ownership of the means of production and direct democracy as well as a horizontal network of workers' councils with production and consumption based on the guiding principle <gasps> from each according to his ability... His ability to each according, according to, to his needs. needs. That's right. God wanted her to know that property, property was theft. theft. <laughs> and she's like, fuck this shit. So Lucy Parsons actually entered the radical movement following her marriage to a man named, a newspaper editor named Albert Parsons, who had been a Confederate soldier. Huh. In 1888, her husband, Albert Parsons, 
who had been heavily involved in campaigning for the eight-hour day, was arrested, tried, and executed on November 11th, 1887 by the state of Illinois on charges that he had conspired in the Haymarket Riot. Oh, wow. Which was an event that was widely regarded as a political frame-up and marked the beginning of May Day labor rallies Mm -hmm. in protest. Lucy Parsons was quoted as saying, my conception of the strike in the future is not to strike out and stop not to strike and go out and starve, but to strike and remain in and take possession of the necessary property of production. In the 1920s, Lucy Parsons was described by the Chicago Police Department as the most dan- as more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Mm-hmm. I hope so, Lucy. Get them. Fuck Get them up. Yeah, fuck them up. Okay, who else is fucking them up? Mary Harris, Mother Jones. Oh, Mother Jones, yay. Mother Jones was an Irish-born American school teacher and dressmaker who became a prominent union organizer, community organizer, and activist. After Mother Jones' husband and four children all died of yellow fever Ugh. in 1867, her dress oh. shop was destroyed by the Chicago Fire of 1871. Poor Mother Jones. After that, she became an organizer for the Knights of Labor and the United Mine Workers Union. Wow. In 1902, she was called... The Chicago mining industry. Look, listen. There's... No, I'm not. Downstate Illinois. I'm not not joking, but she's like, like, mining? Okay. Okay. In 1902, she was called the most dangerous woman in America Mm. for her success in organizing mine workers and their families against the mine owners. Let's see. She said, please pay us a living wage and And don't let my children... Dangerous woman in America. Most dangerous. In 1903, uh, she protested the lax enforcement of child labor laws Mm -hmm. in the Pennsylvania mine, Pennsylvania mines and silk mills. Yes. And she organized a children's march from Philadelphia to the home of President Theodore Roosevelt. I'm walking these working children to your house, Teddy. Teddy, you have a bunch of children of your own. Mr. Progressive. Uh huh. By age sixty, she assumed the persona of Mother Jones mm-hmm. by claiming she was older that she older than she was, wearing outdated black dresses, and referring to the male workers that she helped as her boys. The first reference to her in print as Mother Jones was eighteen ninety seven. Is the magazine, is it just called the Mother Jones News? There's a magazine, isn't there? Yes. We're, we're, it's I'm just gonna, called Mother Jones. It's just called Mother yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll get to that. Mother Jones was denounced as both the most dangerous woman in America mm-hmm. and the grandmother of all alligators. Yes. By Congress. That's exciting. <laughs> that was because later in yet later years she opened that like gator wrestling place in Florida. It was in Chicago, actually. <laughs> <laughs> as a matter of fact. Look, one of her children married an alligator, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Carl Sandburg yeah. suggested that the she in She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain Ooh. Re- references Mother Jones and her travels to the Appalachian Mountain coal mining camps promoting the unionization of the miners. I like that. That's, know, that's my right? favorite factoid uh-huh. so far. And in 1976, Mother Jones magazine was founded. There you go. Carl Sandburg was hog butcher of the world, wasn't he? Chicago, uh, hog butcher of the world. Uh, City, City of Broad Shoulders. City of Broad Shoulders, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, Mother Jones, founder yeah, of the Wobblies. Excellent, Wobbles. loving it. Another man named William Troutman. He was... Chapman? Troutman. Troutman, okay. He was born in, to, to German parents in New Zealand in 1869, and he was raised in Europe. After completing a bre- brewing apprenticeship <laughs> in Poland, he worked as a master brewer in oh. Germany before being expelled 
from labor activities under Bismarck's anti-socialist laws. Oh, Bismarck. God damn it. God damn Gotta it. sink him. Got to shut her down. <laughs> That's right. In 1890, he moved to the United States where he joined the Beer Brewers Union. Troutman was... That's a- the most fun union to belong exactly. to. Troutman was a key figure in the United Brewery Workers Union of Milwaukee yes. and editor of the United Brewery Workers German language new- newspaper, Brauer Zeitung. <laughs> Brauer Zeitung. <laughs> Brewer News. <laughs> yes. He was expelled from the United Brewery Workers... God damn it again. These people. For his participation in founding the IAWW. Look... This, these people, look, you need to go to the Daughters of Belitis and you need to take a lesson about how don't be such a dick about being in charge, okay? Okay. <laughs> a man named Ralph Chapman was an American writer, and artist, and labor activist. At the age of seven, he saw a worker shot dead during the Pullman strike in mm-hmm. Chicago, Illinois. And during a time in Mexico, he was influenced by hearing of execution squads established by Porfirio Diaz and became a supporter of Emiliano Zapata. Zapata, go Zapata, go. For two years, Chaplin worked as a strike committee member with Mother Jones for the bloody... Kanawha County, West Virginia strike of coal miners in Ooh. 1912 and 13. Is it Matewan? There's a strike there and there was a movie about it. It was a really good movie. These influences led Chaplin to write a number of labor-oriented poems. Excellent. We need some oh, poetry boy. here. One of which became the words for the oft-sung union anthem, Solidarity Forever. Ooh. I was going to leave Solidarity Forever song until later... But I think we're going to sing Solidarity Forever I think we now. need to sing Solidarity Forever. Then we can sing, look for the union label. There we go. Hang on, I have to find the lyrics to Solidarity Forever. There, are, First of all, there are a lot of verses. This is a special four-hour episode of Madness, Madness, Ladies Look, and you should be glad that we look. did not sing all of Coming Around the Mountain, okay? <laughs> look. No, I should be. Okay, here we go. You shot the Invincible Swordsman. <laughs> no! Okay, here we go. Solidarity forever. When the union's inspiration through the workers' blood shall run, there can be no power greater anywhere beneath the sun. Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union makes us strong. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. The union makes us strong. Is there aught we hold in common with the greedy parasite who would lash us into (laughs) serf and men would crush him with his might? Is there anything left to us but to organize and fight for the union marches on? Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever for the union makes us strong. It is we who plowed the prairies, built the city where they drank, dug the mines, and built the workshops in this miles of railroad lay. Now we stand outcast and starving midst the wonders we have made, but the union makes us strong. Chorus. There are more verses? (laughs) Every union in the country has its own verse. That's very true. We're just going to go around to every city and uh, trade union. The pipe fitters of Tulsa are a really dandy bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma. Bong loaders for 20. (laughs) (laughs) Bong loaders for 20. Would like a tasty lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma teachers, we are marching 
to the Capitol. <laughs> Union makes us strong. No. So the Wobblies rejected signing contracts with employers, believing that such agreements limited workers' ability to strike. Correct. In addition, the union's advocacy of direct action resistance or sabotage mm. gave it a widespread reputation. Sabotage comes directly from the workers, man. The Wobblies advocate, advocated sabotage as a tactical means of self-defense against unfair working conditions. Listen, all y'all. Sabotage. sabotage. <laughs> so Stuart Wallace. <laughs> Big Bill Haywood was exposed to sabotage while touring Europe. Exposed to sabotage. The, the experience that had the most <laughs> lasting <laughs> impact on him was witne- witnessing a general strike on the French railroads because fucking France, France knows, knows how, how to do, do it. a general strike. They do. I read recently that one of their recent strikes, there were people had come in from the country with a truck like a big tanker truck full of liquidized cow shit, and they were spraying it on the government buildings. Just like <laughs> spraying it on the outside of the government building. I'm not a big Francophile, but they know how to do that shit. They really- and do you know what? Whoever's job it is to liquefy that cow shit gets a fair goddamn <laughs> Wait, wage. They work, and they work like a 36-hour week, and they have That's all right. August, they July, August and August off. off. That's right. They do. Get out the guillotines, bitches. That's right. So in 1909, the Little Red Songbook was published. The Little Red Songbook is the song is Wobbly Songs, uh-huh. and that is crazy because I actually looked up Mao's Little. I was going to say Mao's Little. 1964. Red book. So Mao totally ripped off his Little Red Book from, from the, the Wobblies. It was wow. also known as IWW Songs or Songs of the Industrial worker, Workers of the World, subtitled Songs to Fan the Flames of Discontent. <laughs> Hell yes! It is a compilation oh, yes. of tunes, hymns, and songs used by the Wobblies to help build morale, promote solidarity, and lift the spirits of the working class. A lot of this songbook mm-hmm. went hand-in-hand hand with there were posters, there were stickers, they, they used that sort of popular culture, okay. and like Solidarity Forever, many of the songs were... To the tune to of something the tune you already something knew. else okay. that you already knew. So they were able to... Um, yeah, so they just have to put out the book and you don't have to be able to read music. You're like, you already know this song. So. Yes, exactly. Cool. Yeah. There we and go. I know, having did, I did a lot of like gay activism and stuff and you need a good song is good for when you're out there. I mean, if Harry Hay and Will Gear are not there to perform a play for you while you're on the picket line. Exactly. Singing <laughs> and chanting is a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's really good. It is. And they had a ton of songs. They do. <clears throat> You can like listen on YouTube to like wobbly songs, <laughs> like a whole album. Be careful, don't accidentally look for the Wiggles songs because nope, that'd be a rattly. Although that's, I would well, love to hear the Wiggles. I, honestly, yeah, I, I think the Wiggles, are the, the Wiggles wobble, but don't fall down. <laughs> the oh, Wiggles are shit. staunchly pro-union. <laughs> they are. They are. Greg, Greg Wiggle was paid for his time dealing with orthostatic intolerance. It's right. <laughs> Was he guy. the one that was always asleep? Uh, no, no, I believe that was... That was purple That was wiggle? the purple wiggle. That was the purple one. Ace was never into anyway, the wiggle Anyway, he was thing, great. Though. Henry loved the wiggles. They, they were... Yeah. Oh, okay. I really liked them. They okay, were nice. I was okay with them. They okay. were good people. Okay, so there was a lot going on. Shit really jumped up... Jumped off for the Wobblies in 1912. Okay. With what became known as the Bread and Roses Strike. Ooh. In Lawrence, Massachusetts... Not Lawrence, Kansas. Nope. Nope. It was prompted by a two-hour pay cut 
corresponding to a new law shortening the work week for women, which is nice. We're just going to pass a law and say, oh, the women's work week, you it's going to go from 56 hours to 54 hours, and you are... So you can get home and do the rest so of the work So you can lose God. 32 cents. And it's 1912 cents. So that's it's 1912 cents. It says like for workers who only average eight dollars and seventy six cents per week, every penny was precious, yes. and thirty two cents made the difference between eating a meal and going hungry. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah, it was the women that started this strike, right? And the <laughs> like, look, <laughs> yeah, I already worked twenty three and a half hours worked- a day. <laughs> 54 hours a week. At my job. At my job, right. Not getting my work at home. No, exactly. And so the strike caught up like wildfire through the women of Everett Mill Mm -hmm. in uh, Everett, Massachusetts. 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 And the following morning, the walkout cascaded through neighboring mills. Excellent. Even above the loom's deafening dins, (gasps) shouts of strikers could be heard. Short pay, all out, all out. Out. All out. Good job. In spite of Arctic temperatures, the bad blood boiled over and knife-wielding strikers overwhelmed security gates and slashed machine belts, threads, and cloth. They tore bobbins and shuttles off the machine. Good. Which will, look, that will fuck shit up. Once thread is involved. Yes. And you rip it off, you're fucked. Right, yeah. If this is a big loom, once you've started jacking with the warps and the woofs, man, it's going to be days to get that reset. Days. And through the falling snow, the rioting workers shattered windows with bricks and ice, and the police beat them back with billy clubs. And by the end of January 12th, more than 10,000 workers were on strike. Mm. Good. Exactly. (laughs) High five there. Lines of state militiamen protected the massive brick mills with the spears of their bayonets, pointed squarely (laughs) at the picket lines of strikers, who were women, and the women did not shy away from the protests. Good. They delivered fiery rally speeches, marched in picket lines and parades, and the banners they carried demanded both living wages and dignity. We want bread and roses, Roses too. too. Okay. We want bread and roses, too. Um, Yeah, like, yeah, I want a living wage and some dignity. Thank thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Several days before the strike began, workers in Lawrence, Massachusetts, contacted the Wobblies National Office for Assistance. Okay. Uh, They sent a man named Joe Ettor. Radiating confidence and optimism, Smiling Joe. Smiling Joe. Had the workers form nationality committees for every ethnic group in the workforce. Okay. The strike committee consisted of elected reps from each group and meetings, printed strike updates, and speeches were thereafter translated into all the major languages because hey. people working in this mill didn't all speak Always English. speak English. There we go. Oh, wow. Nice. I was remembering other parts from uh, the jungle. Exactly. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, mill owners and city leaders hired men to foment trouble and even planted dynamite in an effort to discredit strikers. The simmering cauldron finally bubbled over on January 29th when a mob of strikers attacked a streetcar carrying workers' scabs. Scabs! Scabs! Uh-uh! That afternoon, as police battled strikers, an errant gunshot struck and killed a woman named Anna Lopizio. Mm. And the following day, an 18-year-old boy named John Ramey died after being stabbed in the shoulder by a soldier's bone. Like a, a bay- fucking bayonet. A bayonet. Yes. Oh. So, wobbly leaders Bill Haywood, 
Big Bill Haywood, and a a woman named Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, who is a founding member of the ACLU and a visible proponent of women's rights, birth control, and women's suffrage. Hey! They came to help, and together they masterminded the IWW's signature move, which was... (laughs) It's like a finishing move. The flying elbow elbow Exactly. (laughs) The people's scissor kick. (laughs) So what they the wildcat kick? <laughs> it's just a hammer to the head. Oh my Ow. god! Last night, apparently, according to Tumblr, last night on uh, uh, wrestling, Sting, the wrestler, mm-hmm. did for like the fifth time in his career. Somebody ripped off his mask to show that underneath it he was wearing another mask. <laughs> was yes. Yes. That's so awesome. Yes. yes. Sorry, that was just an That's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, yep, yep, yeah, that's still me. Okay, Hayward and Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, no relation to Helen Helen Gurley Brown, which is what I think every single time. They sent hundreds of the strikers' hungry children to sympathetic families in New York, New Jersey, and and Vermont. They they gathered up all the kids, and it says... Like a little kinder transport for the... Well, the children's exodus proved to be a publicity coup for the strikers, and the um, authorities intended to halt it. Uh-huh. When families brought another 46 children bound for Philadelphia to the city's train station, the city marshal ordered them to disperse. When def- well, we're children. <laughs> when defiant mothers still tried to get their children aboard the train and resisted authorities, police dragged them by the hair, beat them with clubs, and arrested them as their horrified children looked, looked on, on in tears. Yeah, no, and but that's the kind of that's the kind of moment when you're like, drag me by the hair and beat me, sir. Go ahead. Well, this was not a good look for yeah, the police. Exactly. Or the mill owners, <laughs> and soon after, President Taft asked his attorney general to investigate. Oh wow, you got to fuck up really, really bad. You really have to pay attention. Have to pay attention. Do something. He's like, God, my teapot dome I'm is stuck is in the bath, bubbling oh, over. I'm so fat. Yeah. But shit, these kids. God damn it. it. This prompted the Philadelphia Women's Institute to talk about how filthy and ill-mannered the small town. No. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, uh, striking workers, including children who dropped out of school age 14 or younger to work in the factories, described the brutal working conditions and poor pay inside the Lawrence Mills. A third of mill workers who was whose life expectancy was less than 40 years Ugh. died within Jesus. a decade of taking their jobs. If death didn't come slowly through respiratory infections such as pneumonia or tuberculosis, it would come swiftly in workplace accidents that took the lives lives and limbs. Mm. A 14-year-old girl named Carmela Taoli shocked lawmakers by recounting how a mill machine had torn off her scalp and left her hospitalized for seven months. Jeez Louise, ow! Public sentiment turned even further away from the mill owners. <laughs> if that, and if had that any was, left, if that and was soon possible. they were ready to make a deal. <laughs> yes. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. So the two sides agreed in a 15% wage hike, a bump in overtime compensation, and a promise not to retaliate against the strikers. <laughs> How'd that last part go? Uh, I guess so. But we all know that the... And that was the end of capitalism in America. No. Oh. Yeah, we all know that the end of child labor came from the Depression. Yes. When when men <laughs> needed those jobs. jobs. And they took them away from and the took children. They, <laughs> took them away from children. So it really wasn't about children's welfare at no, all. No, it oh, wasn't. Oh, heavens no. No. No, 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 no. You just have more kids. Come on. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, 
the Wobbly's main thing was the incessant emphasis on solidarity forever. The only, way, the, the only way to victory, they emphasized, was unity. And the only way to unity was to respect the language and culture of each nationality group. See, there you go. There you go. And that's what, and Harry Hay said, and also gay people, we are a group like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was not wrong. They encouraged workers to view each other that way. Yeah. And emphasized again and again that the only people in Lawrence at the strike site that were foreigners were the mill owners, none of whom lived in town. Oh, hey. Exactly. Nice. And Wicked they came birth. to understand that solidarity was not only was not just the only way they could win, it was the only way they could build a better world. That's true. Is Trucky eating your hair? He's biting my hair clip. It's okay. He'll move on to your hair. Oh, okay. He in will. a bit. It's cool. Just lift him off. <laughs> it's he just doesn't weigh very much. It's all right. I'm fine. Okay. I have cats. <laughs> Trucky. Uh, The next victory for the Wobblies was the lumber strike of 1916. Cool. This happened in Seattle. And companies such as... Where the lumber comes from. Where the lumber comes from. Home of lumber. Companies such as the Simpson Logging Company, Long Bell, St. Paul, Tacoma, Maine Logging Companies, as well as Warehouser. That sounds familiar. Public Radio. Um, were the main logging companies, and they uh, earned immense profits. Uh-huh. Did they share all those profits with the Absolutely workers? not. Frederick K. Weyerhaeuser owned so much land in the Northwest that the government investigated him for corruption, but due to the way that land was sold in the region, the government could do nothing to about. limit him. Great. And he eventually sold one to a very strange man from India. No, no wait no. a minute. That was Oregon. Even though the lumbermen, the employers, earned huge profits, they passed little on to the loggers. On average, the loggers made 35 cents an hour working in wet and dangerous condition- yeah. conditions. Up and the side of a giant tree. Exactly. And the working conditions in the woods were unsafe, unsanitary, and cooks subjected loggers to food that was inedible at times. At one point, the food was so wretched in one Northwest logging plant camp that one logger named A. Lindquist killed the chef, claiming <laughs> God told him Ed Gosling, the cook, was the devil. Well, you know, <laughs> if I. I was just going to say, if I were stuck in a remote logging camp with relentlessly fed it's shitty like, food. I cannot even get something fucking good to eat. That's right. I mean, yeah, when you give somebody food that bad for that long, you can't really blame them when they go insane. Just snap. Presumably malnourishment <clears throat> and decide you're actually safe. That's right. That's right. I'm just now. And then Paul Bunyan had to strap bacon fat to his feet and That's skate right. around and on the grill. Skate around the grill and make giant flatbacks. That's that is uh, a folktale in That's, American history because these logging men were so were so fucking hungry so that a gigantic hungry. logging man came <laughs> and made huge pancakes for them. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna have a whole folktale about this. A whole folktale about it. Lying there at their bunks, like man, if you if you could have some kind of giant food, what would you have? Oh, flapjacks, man. Oh, oh my god. How would you make a giant? Make if god. I would strap crashers no, to my feet. First, you need a giant. First, you need a giant. <laughs> To make his giant pancakes. We got an ox. We need an ox. Mm. Yeah. Great. So, naturally, in logging towns, there were a lot of work-related deaths. Lumberton, <laughs> uh, at the sound of the falling tree. <laughs> exactly. There were a lot of deaths, and the owners 
gave no shits. <laughs> gave no shits. Just like today. Did not want to sacrifice profits for the sake of safety. One logging camp close to Port Angeles had two separate accidental logging guests on the same day. <laughs> we have gone zero minutes without a logging. Correct. But even though the majority of loggers were discontented with working conditions, there's nothing they can do. What the hell else are you going to do? Yeah. They, there was nothing they can do. Well... With World War One in full swing, labor in 1917 was a hot commodity. Yeah, we're gonna need some people. So the workers were emboldened by the increased demands for workers all over the country. Also, by 1917 in America in World War One, we were making everything because Europe was having trouble. Fucked. That's right. We, we, we didn't get there for a while. <laughs> they we didn't were... get there for a while, but we sure made a lot of fucking biplanes. Mm-hmm. The Wobblies... Later sold to the guy who owned Holiday Magic. Yeah, we did. Oh! Oh! Okay, here we go. The Wobblies quickly migrated to the lumber industry when they saw that the leverage the logger had on the lumbermen due to the demands of war. Yeah. On April 13th, 1917, on the, the day after your birthday, it was on the dangerous Montana waterways. What started out as a local strike for river workers quickly esca- escalated into a series of strikes across the region. And the Wobblies encouraged the loggers to go on strike for better wages and working conditions. So, okay. What separated the Wobblies from other unions was its organization and ability to bring together a union to organize a strike. Okay. A real strike. Because we're not here to fuck around and negotiate. No. We're here to go on strike. Right. And I, if I need to, I will start slashing your warp threads. I will fuck and some shit up. Sabotage. Throw my wooden shoes into the gears. Exactly. The Wobblies created pro-labor propaganda, propaganda songs, stickers, so, hey, posters. Hey. And in addition to trying to spread their beliefs, they demanded hefty stipulations when workers went on strike. Which breeded the hatred of employers. <laughs> um, I believe those employers are breeding their own hatred. Correct. Just saying. Yeah, they've, they've got plenty. Uh, correct. It's not like I'm making shit up. No, I'm serious. Jesus Christ. Um, the Wobblies also operated in an all or nothing strategy. If the hostile union did not get their way, they were encouraged uh, sit down strikes and sabotages uh, until the workers it. went back to work. That's it. Um, I'm sorry, my machine keeps breaking. Yep. Clang, 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 clang. clang. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Okay, now it's broken. Here we go. (laughs) So, as far as the lumber strike, the loggers' demands were $10, a $10 per month wage increase, a nine-hour day, cleaning living conditions, and an end to discrimination against union employer, employees. Flying squads... Not really. Were organized to spread the word of the strike to all logging camps in the region, thus causing more loggers to work off the job. Good. On Monday, January 1st, 1916, the first lumberjacks walked out. 1,000 left the camps first, followed by another 1,000 on Tuesday and more throughout the week. Oh, nice. As a result, shit shut down. Yes. Because <laughs> strikes work. Because strikes work. In an effort to break the strike, the companies employed the police to arrest wobbly leaders. And these men were released when there was nothing to charge them with. Because they didn't do anything they didn't illegal. Because they didn't do anything. But the workers struggled to continue without their leaders. In addition, villages in the town of Virginia passed laws banishing all 
wobblies. Yes. On January 2nd, lumberjacks were told to leave by 4 p.m. January 3rd or to face arrest. The strike was called off on January 1st, but the union claimed a partial victory when conditions improved and men received clean bedding, better food, and a wage increase larger than they demanded. Hey. Oh, uh-huh. oh, 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 the hair box. No, Chucky's chewing the hair. Just chewing on her hair. Where's your phone, Brian? Take a picture. Oh, I love you so much, Chucky. So the strike was like partially successful yeah, because well, they it, did it, get clean bedding, better food, and a wage increase larger that, than they demanded. That's something. They asked for like forty bucks a month, and they received forty-five. Okay, it sounds like their demands, basically. Correct. <laughs> um, but but by this time, oh, yeah. the government and the one. industry leaders were like, these wobblies, <laughs> kinds of pain in their ass, fucking shit up. The wobblies were more than just a union; they were a family. Anarcho syndicalists. <laughs> Heck yeah. Which meant instead of rising up to negotiate rising with Andrew, straight to the top. top. Nope. To my time, took my chances. Absolutely not. They are not here to fucking negotiate. They wanted to no. overthrow the government. Yes. And seize the means of production. Yes. yes. That is the Wallies. There we go. In 1916, prior to the U.S.'s entry into World War One, the Wobblies wrote in their newspaper, The Liberator, <laughs> Capitalists of America, we will fight against you, not for you. There is not a power in the world that can make the working class fight if they refuse. That's and one that. of their slogans was, American workers sent to kill German workers. Mm. Ain't that the truth? It is no still shit. However, this will come back in Vietnam when like uh, Vietnamese when people were saying to the black people, like, why are you killing us like, for them? Exactly. Muhammad Ali said it. Yes. But when the war started, the Wobblies were all like, let's keep this uh, low profile on the anti-war tip because people don't like that and they already <laughs> don't like us. Yeah. However, everybody already knew about yes, the Yes, they Wobblies. were already on the anti-war tip. And a man named Frank Little who was uh, one of the Wobblies most outspoken war opponents was lynched in Butte, Montana <gasps> four months after the war started. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ugh. On November 5th, 1916, two boatloads of workers and members of the Wobblies <laughs> traveled from Seattle to Everett, Washington to hold a free speech demonstration in support of striking shingle mill workers in Everett in support of the First Amendment. Okay. I'm sorry. I know a boatload is an actual amount of people, but like a whole boat, two oh, boatloads, boat man. Loads. Well, in this we'll case, it was a literal boatload. We'll an actual load of people. There we go. They were met at the dock by local police, hired guards, and citizen deputies. Oh, good. Shots were filed. Fired. Filed. Shots were fired fatally, wounding or killing outright five wobblies aboard the steamer Verona. Mm. Two deputies also died on the pier, apparently shot in the back by their comrades during a fuselage. Mm. 74 wobblies were arrested and on their return to Seattle, and the IWW leader Thomas H. Tracy was charged with murder. Ugh. All were later released, and Tracy was acquitted in 1917. Cause okay, because he, he didn't. He, he did, did nothing, nothing approaching murder. Okay, so here's when. Okay, look, there's a lot going on. On September 5th, 1917, the United States Department of Justice agents made simultaneous raids on dozens of IWW meeting halls across the country. Minute books, correspondence, mailing lists, and publications received were seized with the Department of Justice 
they removed five tons of material from the IWW general office in Chicago alone. Five tons. That's uh-huh. a lot of paperwork. The seized material was scoured for possible violations of the brand fucking new Espionage Act of 1917 <laughs> and other laws with a view to-, to further prosecution of the organization's leaders and key activists. Yes. Now, here's when shit gets local. <sighs> Oklahoma hey, was a famous hotbed of radicalism. Uh, you wouldn't think so, but it really was. It really fucking was. What at you home through, baby? To at least three IWW locals and more members of the Socialist Party than any other state. The state's official symbols, a red flag with a white star and the motto, Labor Omina Vincent, which means labor conquers all things, made Oklahoma's working-class militancy official. Oklahoma was a place of institutionalized radicalism. The flag with the star and the motto... You can get a license plate. You You can. can, Oklahoma license plate. The The flag flag. was replaced uh, by the current Oklahoma flag, which is a blue field bearing the traditional bison hide shield of the Osage in 1925. cultural appropriation It really is. It's like they, they got rid of this commie shit for some, like, we love, we love our Native yeah. Americans that we all killed. <laughs> Bullshit. So, by 1906, mm. the, hey. the Wobbly... Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma. In the 1906, the Wobblies had organized three locals in Oklahoma Territory and hey. two in Indian Territory. But the panic of 1907 and the decline of the building boom in Oklahoma City killed those efforts. Yeah. The organization was revived in Oklahoma after 1914 as a result of the oil boom and serious problems recruiting laborers. Mm, to work in the oil fields? To work in the oil fields, exactly. So. Talk about wildcats. Woo! There we go. Wow, wow. 1917 is significant because a war was on over there. Over and there. Uncle Sam had just signed the Selective Service Act, which uh. required all males ages 21 to 30 to register for the draft, effectively removing them from the rural working class. Wow, okay. In August 1917, a tenant farmer's revolt broke out in three counties along Oklahoma's South Canadian River. Huh. While anti-war sentiments fueled what became known as the Green Corn Rebellion, uh-huh. it actually grew from a long-standing grievances many tenants held against local landowners, businessmen, and the state and local authorities. They were like, this land is was given to us for free, <laughs> stolen, yet you're mm-hmm. still fucking here telling us what to, to do. do. <laughs> this land is my land. That's right. The farmers were particularly angered over the growing control of land by small numbers of wealthy landholders mm-hmm. who often resorted to rampant land speculation and outright fraud to obtain property. And they oh. remain in power to so this day. Fucking so day. speculation and falling crop prices had by 1917 forced half of Oklahoma's farmers into tenancy. Uh-huh. As yeah, a result, that was how it, that was how it worked because you yeah, you yeah. Get, this oh, land that was promised to you that's too bad oh yeah it was yours but then oh we can't pay the taxes on it oh you can't pay what you owe okay. no. I'll tell you what buddy I'll take that off your hands it's actually not yours yeah no you can stay here and work on it no for me for me, for me. you're so, the boss 
As a result, many tenants and small landowners joined the state's Socialist Party, an affiliate organization such as the Oklahoma Renters Union. Mm. The Socialists proposed expanding the public domain, enacting a graduated land tax, and creating a cooperative marketing system. But some tenants were frustrated with the political process and turned into turned to night writing and direct action <laughs> techniques didn't. copied didn't. from the IWW. However, the IWW, (laughs) this is a bummer time, refused to allow tenant farmers to join because they were not wage workers. What the fuck? Oh, you think, now look, dudes. Seriously. Don't put these kinds of artificial barriers in place to your divide your workerness. Exactly. Come on. So. Y'all just spent all that time talking about how that was. uh, I know. I'm not a wage worker. I know. Okay. I'm not a wage worker because I'm digging in the fucking dirt, okay? I'm not a wage worker because if I were a wage worker, I'd be making like like all of the money in overtime land. At least I'd make 32 cents an hour. That's right. American entry into World War I. The farmers saw the conflict of World War I as a rich man's war and a poor man's fight. Yep. So because they could not join the Wobblies... they, for dick reasons. For dick reasons. <laughs> they joined the WCU, which is the workers' working class union. And American entry into World War One really kicked that union into high gear. And the farmers saw the conflict as a rich man's war and a poor man fight. Like mm-hmm. all wars. All, like all wars. Every one of them. Throughout the summer of 1917, the working class union planned its opposition to the new federal conscription act. Oh. So it was the fucking draft. Yes. These people are like, we are tenant farmers. You have demoted us uh-huh. to working to, to like working for you on our own land. Working for you on our own land. And, and so, now you're going to draft and us. And now you're going to draft us. So in early August, the guns, it's not the guns of August because it was 1917, hundreds of men who were white African-American and Native American because in Oklahoma, like, let's (laughs) You've got all of this. You've got all of this. Gathered in Saskawa, Oklahoma, the farm of a man named John Spears, which was quoted as an aging socialist. (laughs) (laughs) And the men planned to march to Washington and overthrow the government of Woodrow Wilson, who had, the year before, won re-election with the slogan, he kept us out of war. And they just were, long enough uh, to win re-election. Just long enough to win re-election. They and in. they were going up there to fucking overthrow the government. The marchers su- uh, survived along the way by eating barbecued beef and roasted green corn, oh. which la- will give you a stomach gave ache. Gave the rebellion a same. This is true. And the rebels began burning bridges and cutting telegraph lines on August 3rd, but they soon faced hastily organized posses, which halted the revolt. Yeah. Three men died in the conflict and more than 400 others were arrested. Of those, 150 were convicted and received federal prison terms of up to 10 years. Great. For, uh, for wanting to not slave away on their yeah, own land. exactly. Just After the rebellion failed, the Oklahoma Socialist Party disbanded. State and federal authorities utilized the revolt in their efforts to suppress the Wobblies. Yes. Even though the Wobblies, nor the Socialists, had any official part... In the uprising. But they did it anyway. Yeah, they did yeah. it anyway. So, okay. An incident that became known as the Tulsa Outrage. 
<laughs> There's oh, several of these. You, you mean the other Tulsa outrage? <laughs> yes, here we go. Can you specify which Tulsa outrage, here we please? Go. What year was this Tulsa 1917. outrage? Okay. So, it so is no before time to dally with the enemies of the country, read a November 1917 Tulsa World editorial. <gasps> the unrestricted production of petroleum is as necessary to the winning of the war as the unrestricted production of gunpowder. We're either going to whip Germany or Germany's going to whip us. And the first step in whipping of Germany is to strangle the IWW kill them really just as you would kill any other kind of snake really don't scotch them kill them kill them dead this is no time to waste money on trials and continuances and things like this all that is necessary is the evidence and a firing squad shit okay the Tulsa media would continue on uh, very much (laughs) in this vein uh, up to and including the front page editorial of the Tulsa Tribune in 1921 calling for lynchings and for uh, what became the Tulsa Race Massacre. Yeah, Three yeah. 400 people dead. Yeah, no. Black I, Wall Street burned to the ground. No, it wasn't. I saw the headline. It was three white people were killed. Oh. That's, that's oh. all. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. I saw the headline. Gosh. Exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... In this atmosphere of working-class militancy pitted against patriotic hysteria, um, 16 IWW men found themselves imprisoned in Tulsa. There was a group of arrest of Wobblies, and it says, As midnight approached, the prisoners were removed from their cells and were driven away from the jail in three police vehicles. That can't be good. (laughs) The New York Times later claimed that the prisoners were intended to, quote, be taken by roundabout, by a roundabout route to the IWW headquarters. Sure. Though the IWW Tulsa branch secretary... Who was among the prisoners later told the National Civil Liberties Bureau that he believed the subsequent incident was planned ahead by the police. I believe he's probably right. Exactly. Shortly after departing the jail, the convoy met a group of armed men dressed in black robes and masks. They identified themselves as the Knights of Liberty. Uh I was going to say patriots. Which the Tulsa world described as a... A minor offshoot of the Klan. Just a minor the offshoot of the Klan. who were also the Klan, yes. delivered the prisoners and vehicles into the custody of the knights who tied the prisoners' hands and drove them to a secluded ravine west of the city. At the ravine, they were met by additional Knights of Liberty. Okay. By the headlights of police vehicles, the prisoners were stripped. One by one, they were tied to a tree and lashed with pieces of rope until blood ran down their backs. Then came the action for which the incident would become best known. Uh. The 16 Wobblies and one unfortunate bystander were tarred and feathered. Oh, God. Quote, after each one was whipped, another man applied the tar with a large brush from the head to the seat. Then a brute smeared feathers all over and rubbed them in. And after they had satisfied themselves that our bodies were well abused, our clothing was thrown into a pile, gasoline poured on it, and a match applied. And by the light of our earthly possessions, we were ordered to leave Tulsa and leave running and never come back. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Oklahoma. Yeah. But he always talks about how nice everybody's so nice here, you know. Well, it's just I do want to know about that unfortunate bystander. I'm like, stop standing by. Okay, I know. What are you doing? <laughs> what here, are you babe? doing here? Scram! <laughs> so in 1946, the Taft Hartley Act was passed by Congress, 
Congress, which called for the removal of communist union yeah, leadership. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In 1949, U.S. Attorney Thomas C. Clark placed the Wobblies on the Attorney General's list of subversive organizations in the category of organizations seeking to change the government by unconstitutional means. Only we're allowed to do that. Right. Uh, Right. Under Executive Order 9835, which offered no means of appeal and which excluded all IWW members from federal employment and federally subsidized housing programs. (sighs) The union's membership fell to its lower level, lowest level in the 1950s during the Red Scare. Uh And um, it was near extinction in 1955. Harry Hay was a member at that time. There you go. (laughs) Though it still appeared on government lists of kindness-led groups. Yes. There was hold in my hand a list. Yeah. uh, There was a resurgence in the 60s and the Wobblies uh, was involved with civil rights movement, anti-war protests, student movements. But the members were never as high as they were at the beginning of the 20th century. I don't know. They were pretty high during the 60s. They were. Oh! Oh! But... The Wobblies, they never went away. Yes. And you can still join them. You can still be a Wobbly. Heck of a laugh. You can still be a Wobbly. Yes, yes. Brian? Why are they called the Wobblies? It, it doesn't. Nobody I, knows. Nobody? IWW, so I will Wobbly. I can see Yeah, it there's of. no. In everything I read, they're like, why were they called why the Wobblies? Why were they called the Wobblies? And nobody knows. Huh. But their whole thing was overthrow the government. Seize the means of production. production. Uh huh. Capitalism sucks. Capitalism sucks. We're living there now. (laughs) We are. And that's why the government (laughs) crushed them. Crushed them. God bless America. No, for real. God bless America. We need it. Christ. Okay. So here. Superstar. We go. God's been pretty doing a pretty shitty job of that, honestly. Well, for a while you know, now. it's it's that's that's my number one. The problem of evil is too great for me to overcome. I have yeah. a lot of I have a lot of different philosophical reasons to not believe in a higher power, but the problem of evil. It's is, just right up there. It's it, too you know, difficult for me to overcome. Uh, yeah. it's like I cannot just, believe yeah. anybody cares. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Why would God do this? You're right. Why? Would, You're right. Why like, would God do this? Why indeed? Why indeed? Oh, he won't give you more than he can handle. Like, just Stop. bullshit. It was well, her time to you. come home. It's like, she was murdered. She was murdered. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come home? God yeah. wanted to call her home. It's like, through a violent... Right. So killing. he so he had oh, her God. stabbed 115 God times, really? a uniquely cruel way to do you that. You know, free will. Free will. Free God's will. free will? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> okay, so. Also, P.S., it was her fault for being murdered. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Is this going to be about Jesus? No. No. <laughs> this is specifically not going to be about Jesus. Okay, here we go. And I, that gets extra points. Okay. okay. Is there a hat? No, but there is a song. There, are, Yes, and that I think that it doesn't have a hat, but it has a song as a totally legit substitution. Uh-huh. It does have a song. You it know not- what hat it has? It has the hat you wear to your job at the factory. That's right. To a keep your man's hair hat. from catching you on fire, at? I guess. There's a cardinal that just came and perched and is peering in at us. Hey, buddy. And so I waved at him. <laughs> I was like, look, cardinal. <laughs> I was like, what did you see? Hello, friend. <laughs> it's a wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> The, I, uh, I'm Wally the Wobbly. Wally the Wobbly. Uh, they had a hat. They didn't have a hat, but they had a hell. They had stickers. They had and stickers. They had both, and they had a whole fucking songbook. They did. So that that counts as a hat. Exactly. Okay. What's on the agenda? Oh my Revolution, god! Revolution. Sabotaging. Thrown over the government. Seizing the means of production. Abolition of wages. Yeah, it gets a nine from me. Uh-huh. 
how much is this going to cost? And this was taken from the IWW official website. Okay. For the like today now. Today now the dues are okay. $6 if you are financially burdened by unemployment, underemployment, being a student or other circumstances. Excellent. $11 if you make less than $2,000 a month. $22 if you make between $2,000 and $3,500 per month. And $33 if you make more than $3,500 a month. That, that is, is a fair Extremely scale. reasonable. That is extremely is reasonable. Extremely reasonable. Even though I'm at the highest end of it, I'm like, that is extremely reasonable. I know. Okay. When were non-whites allowed to join? Uh, non-whites were organizing this non-whites shit. Non-whites were organizing this shit. Heck yeah. So, yes. Is this a legit organization or just a drinking club Fuck for rich yes. men? Uh, yeah, it is. This is like one of the most legit of all. Legitimalist of all. A, if there's a drinking club, rich men are most definitely <laughs> not welcome. Yeah, you're totally welcome here. Oh, did we accidentally beat you to death? Sorry. Oh, oh my bad. Oh, oh, oh. So how many secret symbols does it have? Is there a secret handshake? No, there is not a secret handshake and there's not a secret symbol, but their symbol, much like the concatenated order of hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo is an arching black cat. But this black cat is like showing his teeth and its claws because it's going to fuck you up. Oh, man. <laughs> I, and I recently had a cat bite the back of my head. So I know. <laughs> there you go. The that cat was, is going to fuck bite. you up. It's and it's friendly bite. And also there are a lot of like uh, posters and artwork with the uh, with the sabot. Oh, le sabot. Le That's sabot. Right. The French clog. The, the, the clog. <laughs> thrown <laughs> into, thrown the works. into the works. That creative right. if you are if you don't know that story then you should watch uh, Star Trek 5 <laughs> because Kim Cattrall as a Vulcan explains to you the origin of the word sabotage there you go uh, okay. so many songs okay anyone famous yes here we go okay Eugene Debs hey Mother Jones yes Jim Thompson yes Eugene O'Neill yes Helen Keller Helen Keller, who said... Helen Keller, hell yeah. I became an IWW because I found out the Socialist Party was too slow. It is sinking in the political bog. It is almost, (laughs) if not quite, impossible for the party to keep its revolutionary character so long as it occupies a place under the government and seeks office under it. I love Helen Keller. The government does not stand for the interests of the Socialist Party is supposed to represent. So she is like, I am a fucking wobbly. Yes, Helen Keller was awesome. Everybody's like, Helen Keller, a beam of sunshine. Yes, like, no. no. Helen (laughs) Keller will fuck you up. She will fuck you up. She'll fuck you up. So... I can either see nor hear, and I know that you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. And I learned that late in life. Yeah. The moment I learned to communicate, I was like, this is all bullshit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wait, a minute, wait a minute. She smells out water, and then her next word is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Annie Sullivan was pretty radical Annie also. Annie Sullivan was pretty radical because she was like, you're right. This is also bullshit. This is also bullshit. Because I'm coming to teach this girl that everyone thought was just feral right it's like well she can't see you're here so we'll just like tired at the table for the rest of her yeah. life uh-huh no okay all right are we done i got a lot of big numbers here yeah me too okay this is good on. but it's I, math shit i gotta write mine down here okay 10 okay it's 30 19 I feel like I should be higher than 30, that. 37, 73, 39, 40, 
I got 66. Okay. I got 56. And I feel like it should be higher, but that's what I got. That's 122, I think. Rock and roll. Damn. So we're we're wobblies. We're wobbling so You might want to double check that, but. Okay. Uh, 56 and 66, did you say? Did you say 66, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. 12. Six, six, twelve, yeah, hundred twenty-two. Yeah, okay. All right, that's up there. That's pretty close to the WI. It is. All okay, right. So here are my sources. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia. Yes. IWW.org. Mm-hmm. OKHistory.org. Ooh. Nice. Greencorn.org. Hell yeah. Even A story better. from the from WBEZ Chicago called "The Verdict: A War." The Wobblies and Charges of Espionage in Chicago. Because in 1917, did I mention that? In 1917, they passed the Anti-Espionage Act. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You did. And there is a website and a podcast called Working Class History that has several episodes about the The Wobblies. Wobblies. Excellent. I didn't mention mine. I did a lot of Wikipedia and I watched uh, some. There's a whole American Experience documentary about Stonewall. Uh And then I, I watched the part about the like earlier homophile. Did you watch Before Stonewall? Yeah, I have watched Before Stonewall quite a few times, yeah. exactly. And uh, uh, and s- since we're harkening back and all that, um, Leslie Feinberg's Stone Butch Blues also talks a lot about organizing union stuff yep. and does a lot of union organization. And she was, a, nice. Z was a, organ, a union, super union in uh, mostly printing and typesetting. Yeah. But yep. definitely. Good deal. Good deal. Okay, okay. so we're, we're becoming wobblies. We're not Put drawing Madison and Blair. I'll just I'll just be gay on my own time. That'll be all right. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So 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 interesting. So interesting. Fantastic. It is. So thank you all for joining us once again. Thank you for listening. I love all of our listeners. I, I do. Thank you for not. When we had our terrible, our weak, weakest terribleness, where we both felt so terrible, uh, we still had a bunch of listeners listening to our song. It and is. I know. I'm just Amanda's glad you're all here. Always afraid that like, <laughs> never mind. I do. I am. I'm always like, well, if we take a little bit of time off, people will stop thinking about us. I have some insecurities. Most uh, most of our listeners haven't caught up. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's actually uh, what I, what I found in talking to. A, a I know, but we get lots of. Da- I mean, yesterday we had a spot. Yesterday we had ninety downloads just randomly. I was oh, like, wow. okay, so okay, <laughs> and I, I, it is very interesting to me that um, one episode that consistently gets a bunch of downloads every week is the Moonies versus Falun Gong. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Really? That one That's gets a lot of downloads uh-huh. every week. Uh-huh. So they're building a dossier. They are. And we should watch our backs. A dossier. dodgy dossier. are going to be strongly pressured to marry strangers <laughs> in a stadium somewhere. And then join. And then join a dance troupe. A dance troupe. God. Just dance. Oh, my God. All right. Well, this tomorrow I'm leaving for London where I will spend an entire 24 hours in a hotel room. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's fabulous. But, you know, we'll be back next week bringing you more fun and more Savory Clubs seltzers. Clubs to join. Clubs to join. Savory seltzers. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, they they were bringing some new ones out to the cart that I hadn't seen yet. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, chickpea. Have they done chickpea, chickpea? before? Just plain. Yeah. Just plain. Just yeah. Like unflavored un- 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 Aquafaba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, we had chicharrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's 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 also a tahini flavor. So if you want Ooh. to mix it with a chickpea, oh, you can, you make, can mix it with hummus. hummus. That's right, hummus yeah. seltzer. Oh, there, like uh, there is uh, eggplant flavor and there is baba ganoush flavor Whoa. separately. Oh, Aaron so. loves an eggplant. I know. Yeah, we haven't had. Well, you haven't tried don't my tell eggplant. me that I haven't tried your eggplant parmesan because the problem is. It's got eggplant. It's got eggplant in it. It's like my it's beet salad is really good. Yeah, plant. right. It still contains beets. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> I just keep trying. Aaron has, over the years, been long been witness to this thing I would do where I was like, well, maybe I just wasn't giving him a fair shake, even though like every time, <laughs> every I time have had beets, uh, keep it's, trying it's just, to give them fair shakes. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> this is antithetical to. Anything I want. Wait, it still tastes like dirt. Is it? Uh, yeah. My beet salad is really good. It is and so really is good. Aaron's eggplant parmesan. No, <laughs> I have the same feeling <laughs> with um, with tabbouleh. Yeah. Oh, Every yeah. time I'm oh. like, well, I'll try tabbouleh, and I'm like, tabbouleh seltzer. Tabbouleh seltzer. It's just it's the parsley in it. There you it's go. the parsley that I'm just like, this is mm. sticking in my throat like a tumbleweed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> after after last two weeks ago, I think I'm going to make colonoscopy prep flavored seltzer. There you go, <laughs> whammy. Except Boy. it's it's actually like just that colonoscopy prep. It drink. really, it really but is. It, except it, you like swap out half the water for vodka. Uh, next time, I'm yeah. gonna. <laughs> there we go. All right, ready? ready? Okay. okay. Madness Madness is hosted by Aaron Byrne and Amanda Clay, with occasional outbursts from Brian Byrne, who is me. Brian Byrne records and edits the show. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please, if you enjoy the show, uh, rate us and leave a review. Leaving reviews helps people find the show. And the more people listen to the show, the more people you'll have to talk about the show with. I mean, just mull that over. You can also listen to us online at madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can find links to our social media on madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can email us your thoughts about stuff at madnessmadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>